Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Say hey, kids. Uh, welcome to the program. What's new? What's happening? What's, uh, what's, what's hip? Uh, I am me, you are you. Welcome to Just a Game here on a Wednesday, the day after. Uh, did we have a hero? Did we, after belly aching for weeks on weeks that the city has no more heroes, has no more dreamers, do we, do we have a, a hero? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Welcome to Just a Game. Uh, we are broadcasting live from Treaty 7 Territory, and of course, this is an inclusive program, so everybody is welcome. We're glad you're here. Really excited about our guest today. Uh, just a couple of things before we get to him. Uh, game one of the second round of the American Hockey League playoffs, but the first round for your Calgary Wranglers goes tonight, Abbotsford in town. Games one and two here. Games three, four, and five are in Abbotsford next Wednesday, uh, Friday, and Sunday, if necessary. Of course, team option on that. Uh, last night, uh, the Islanders staved off elimination. They beat Carolina by a 3-2 score. Uh, Dallas beat up on Minnesota 4-0. They now lead that series three games to two. And uh, maybe they found the heroes at Edmonton, 6-3 over the LA Kings. The Oilers lead that series three games to two as well, can finish it off on the weekend. Tonight, Boston can eliminate Florida. They're up three games to one. Seattle in Colorado. Uh, that series tied at two games apiece. Uh, Toronto, Tampa Bay wait till tomorrow. The Rangers and Devils wait till tomorrow in Vegas. And Winnipeg waits till tomorrow. Announcement yesterday of, uh, in principle, and I guess it's all in the naming, right? In principle, a deal uh, for a new event center, downtown core, a $1.2 billion, sorry, $1.22 billion project. Um, ah, the hell with it. I'm just going to jump right ahead because if I sit here, he's just going to chime in anyway as soon as I say something he doesn't like. So <clears throat> I'm going to do that. Our guest brought to you by Ski Cellar Snowboard, skisellersnowboard.com. 76 years in Calgary, three locations, McLeod Trail by Chinook Center, 17th Avenue Southwest, just off of 14th Street, and Bow Ridge Road Northwest. Kids, look what the cat has dragged in. We put out an APB. We put him. We put his picture on milk cartons. We found him. Our old buddy Bruce Dobigan in studio in the Oodle Noodle studio with us. You exist. You're still here. Where have you been? I, well, I've been where I've always been. Where's that? Well, hanging around. Oh, hanging around. <laughs> well, you know, I don't. I haven't had a regular job that I went to for so long. In fact. Maybe the last steady job I was at was when you and I were doing radio together. Really? I, I worked newspapers and sure. stuff, but yeah, it, yeah. it's not a steady job. You go to yep. do a thing here and a thing there. So anyway, I've been here uh, living down in the south part of town, just across from Spruce Meadows. And with my wife, we've got four grandchildren now. 
Amazing. To my three Not kids. bad for a 29-year-old guy, uh, right? You know, it's, it's a little gray on the sides. <laughs> yeah. A little gray on the sides. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, Don't call Grandpa do. when he's teeing off, <laughs> right? Are those oh, the rules? Tee off on you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we're down there, and I'm a, a member at, at Sirocco. Okay. And so uh, it's right near there, so I just uh, stumble out the door and go play some golf. Okay. And uh, yeah, traveling around a little bit. We were away for a little while this winter down in Florida. Mm-hmm. And uh, working on a new book, I've got. We'll talk the book thing. Oh yeah, we a will. Of books. Yes, we will. And uh, but I was interested yesterday to see the the news about the arena. Okay, I have an opinion, but I want you go ahead. You have the floor. Well, no, I was kind of interested in because you, you. Well, here's what I think. I, I not a favorite of mine at all, and I don't want to get into the politics thing because it's a very divisive thing. I get that, but when somebody stands up and says. Here's our commitment. Of course, there's a bit of a barrier, you know, the 29th, the May 29th election. But if Calgary supports the UCP, we'll get behind it. Um, I just wonder if the city and the flames weren't so desperate to get a deal done that this was just too good to, you know, pass up. But it seemed like, Bruce, from my standpoint, a lot of, a lot of pomp and circumstance for something in principle. That that should have been, the pomp and circumstance should be saved for, here's a ceremonial shovel in the ground, the tractors are behind us, you know, can't wait to open the doors in two seasons or whatever it is. Yeah, you and I think alike. Okay. But that happened all the time in the past. Oh, no, no, it's not new. No, we didn't think alike. Anyhow. Oh, I'm sorry, yes. Yeah, sorry, sorry, okay. <laughs> about this? Yeah. Uh, as soon as I saw it, I said, okay, uh, the conservatives are nervous about Calgary. Yeah. Uh, in this election, they know that they have to dominate Calgary if they're going to get back in. Uh, it said something to me about the Flames organization that they kind of are hanging out in the breeze. That their that their fans and the whole culture around them at the at the end of this year was sour. Yeah. Oh not, yeah. It was not good. It's no. not good. Uh, so you had a lot of people. I think were motivated. I think that the mayor is, is motivated. Uh, the sense out there in the community is that uh, you know she's not partial to the sports people. Uh, people like us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it gave her a chance to get a little bona fides there. So I think a lot of people needed it to happen now. Yeah. And and in particular, also with the Oilers doing what they're doing in the playoffs in their newer, I won't call it a new rink, but their yeah. newer rink. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just not a good look. And uh, you know, I, I've written this in a couple of places on online and on my website, not the public broadcaster. Thank you. Sorry, what was that website? Not the public broadcaster. Dot. Dot com. Dot com. Not dot ca. No. Not dot the com. public broadcaster.com. That's yes. the website? That's it. Okay. Because the CBC is the public broadcaster. That's right. And they're dot work. ca. That's right. right. And okay. I worked there for 25 so years. So not the public broadcaster.com. So when I went to start my website, yes. one of my good friends, Bernard Graham, who worked at CBC, we were talking about it. He said, well, if there's one thing it will, it will not be the public <laughs> broadcaster. So not the public. Well, there's a little bit of British humor in there too, right? Yes. Sure. Sure. Yeah, okay. I mean, you know. Anyway, but you uh, and you still write a, a Monday column, correct? I or? do Monday and Thursday column okay. on my website okay. and uh, and agitate. And I was making a point somewhere there from the website, and I've forgotten what it was particularly. But it's something to do with the arena. Yeah. Uh, and and oh, I was going to say what I've said about the flames. Let's we can jump right into this right now. Yeah. What I've said about the flames is people are going to talk about what they have to do this summer. Mm-hmm. Goalie, defenseman, whatever. To me. It's, it's a more existential project that they've got to do. I agree. They, they've got to tell this league and the p- people who play in the league and the people who make those decisions that this is a place to come and play hockey. Yes. There is a sense out there that this place is, you know, as they say with the fish, smelling from the head down, right? Yep. And, and the building is old. Yep. The coach is 
old toxic <laughs> in, in many places yeah uh the owner spends a lot of his time outside of the country he's a remote owner uh etc cetera, etc cetera. and they have to find a way to put a smiley face on this franchise so that people will want to play here i and, agree uh, the, the one of the the book that we're working on right now yep. uh, is called Deal with It. And yep. it's, it's a six, I think it's six or seven of the most famous trades in NHL history. And I decided the last one was going to be the Kachuk trade. You are putting it in there. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. You you think and we'll get this is going to make a lot more sense when the next guest joins us. Yeah. But you think of you think it's one of the most uh, important trades or historical trades, or you think it's one of the more interesting stories to tell when it comes to trades it's a significant story yes and the reason it's significant rob and i put it in there of course it's all bundled in with the goodrow thing yep uh it's bundled in with a couple of other but by and large i'm asking the question in that in that uh, chapter can canadian teams in particular small market canadian teams hang on to american hockey players can, can you do that? I'm that's I'm, I'm curious with McDavid that if somehow this thing goes sideways, does McDavid look at this and say, "What am I doing here?" Same thing in in Toronto with McMatthews. Now they have more money, etc. Sure, but if, if you're Matthews and the thing goes sideways, you're an American kid. Hey, the winters are cold here. Let's go somewhere where we can be warm. You know, all that. Indifference in, in to a gentleman who apparently posts on the Instagram page after every show that I spend too much time worrying about where Matthew Kachuk is gone. And I don't remember talking about it in the last month, but anyway, for you, um, I have said all along and, and I've said it was building. I I said, there's something good, bad, or indifferent, something in the water in Canada right now. And I, it's not even a Calgary thing. I point to Oliver Ekman Larson's agent going on uh, radio in Vancouver and talking openly about it. I, I, Winnipeg, Winnipeg, I think we're back. You know, you and I first met pre-04 lockout yeah. with the equalization. The 62-cent dollar. And it, it feels a lot like that in a way, yeah. although now the teams can spend the money. It was Johnny Gaudreau left a year and $15 million American on the, on the table. table to go. Did to Matt Columbus, can- to a team that he knew wasn't going to win. Right. I and- mean, it's, this is, again, now, you, now you're writing the chapter for me. Sorry. Tomorrow, we'll, give you the, we'll give you the transfer. No, transfer. To, <laughs> to a large extent, that's exactly what right? I was thinking. And, and we have uh, Matthews this summer, I believe, is coming into his uh, decision year. I think and, he's coming into his decision yeah, year. He's going to tell him whether let's negotiate seriously or do I want to get out of here. So let me ask you this, because I'm going to tie the two together, and it's not going to seem like right off the top. You've been around a long time. Did Mackenzie Weger's comments about the building at at the end of the year not strike sure. you sure. as that? That's not how they do things in Calgary. Well, here's what's different between when you and I started. I think you and I started probably working together. Oh, three. Oh, three. And I, I'd been around for a few years before that at the fan. But anyhow, yeah. uh, around oh, three. And while a free agency was there mm-hmm. and, and that was an issue and the agents were there, it's it's different today it because is. these guys are saying, my wife doesn't want to be in a cold city. Oh. And if you want your wife to spend the winter in Calgary, either she's got to be a person who likes the mm-hmm. adventure and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff of cold weather. Now, we're here. We understand it. We like mm-hmm. it most of the time. Yeah. But they have to understand that. Uh, then you have to see all of the other things about being in a city like Calgary. Right. The travel. Right. Right. It's not a great travel t- a city for, for NHL teams. How, how would you like to be playing in that Jersey Rangers series? Yeah. How's that travel for you? Yeah, exactly. There's no equivalent out here. Yeah. Or wa- even you know, Washington, Philadelphia. They're all right. They're all right. Yeah. So there's a whole bunch of things, this, decisions that are being made by players about wh- where they want to go. And 
at the time, I don't recall at the time if there were that many, but we know now that there are, of course, I believe it's nine or ten tax-free states in yes. the United States. Yes. Now, Washington State, uh, that's Seattle. Yeah. So that might be a factor. You've got the two teams in Florida. Yep. You've got a, Texas. one team in Texas. You've got Nashville and Tennessee. Vegas. Uh, Vegas, yeah. Vegas is, is uh, Nevada is, is a tax-free state. So yep. all of a sudden, you're saying, okay, we can pay you the, all the money you want here in, in Calgary to hang on to a star. But you know what? You're going to go in some place where, and, and secondarily, we, again, you and I talked about this a lot in the past, you're going to go to a place where you're not going to be bugged on the street every day. You're not, you're not the quarterback for the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. You're not the, mm-hmm. the, the shooting guard for the, the Mavericks. Yep. You're a guy who can play, make his money, and then sort of disappear with your family and have a life. Yep. So, again, all of those things are there. This is a challenge, and I don't hear coming from the Flames – well, of course, now with, with, with Tree sort of put aside, I guess they're going to talk about other things. But I, I wasn't hearing this before. I'm not hearing anything about all of those things that we're talking about, Rob, about how do we get guys to stay here. I don't. Without beyond money. I think there's an acknowledgement of it, uh, but I don't think they were ever going to talk about it publicly. Yep. Um, that's a ownership decision. Like, you know, it's this whole thing about it can't say the rebuild and all that stuff. Yep. There's there's marching orders, right? Like, this is how we're going to build. Hmm? You just said rebuild. You can't say rebuild. Well, you're not allowed to say it. <clears throat> and that's a Jay, that goes back to Jay Feaster. I love that all the kids now think, oh, did you hear what John Bean said? Yeah, come talk to me about Feaster. Uh, and that's okay. You you spend the money, you own. The thing about Murray, and Murray does not get talked a lot about in this market. Yeah. Never has, yeah. still doesn't. He's not that far removed from other guys in the league. Yeah. Right? It's, you know, fully down in Vegas is a handful, right? Yeah, sure. You, you know what I mean? So there is that. To me, it was it's the the one thing you can control in all of this. You can't control the taxes. You can't control. You can control the building. You can control the facility. You can make it a place where when the family comes and they visit it, they go, wow, I can see myself here. Look at this dressing room and everything like that. You know, now you, you really have to take them out to Banff. Yeah. Like, don't bring them to the rink. Take them out to Banff. Show them Banff, right? Yeah, and and it's, it's the reality. People don't like to hear it because when we talk like this, they think, well, you're slagging Calgary. No, we're not. It's the reality. We're, we're trying to, well, that, but we're also looking for ways of, of equalizing the playing field. We wanted to stay here. You wanted to, you want yeah. Matthew Kachuk. Matthew Kachuk, and this is a silliness thing too, and I'm getting really good at this. Take McDavid out of the equation. Matthew Kachuk's in the conversation for MVP this year. Oh, yeah. He's a, he's Absolutely. A, he's a good player. He, yeah. If he stays in Calgary, he could have been one of the all-time greats for the Calgary Flames. But we people here asked, where was that guy in the playoffs last year? But anyway, I, I, no, I, no, I, I, that, trust me. I'm the same guy that go, was watching this series going, he's doing this to whom now? Yeah. You mean you couldn't choke out, you know, the yeah. goalie for Edmonton last year or something like that? You have yeah. to pick on Olmark? There is part of that. I think he knew, I think he and, and Johnny knew they were out of there. Uh, I, I saw commitment from Johnny in the playoffs last year that I didn't see from, from Matthew. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, so a, a lot of it is explained and, by the fact that he – and in the comments and, he made, uh, this is where I wanted to be right. and blah, blah, blah. blah. And, and let's, let's deal with the other 800-pound gorilla in the room. Um since you and I started this gig, the player has changed. Yeah. You don't go to the player and berate him, bully him, yep. force him to do anything. You go to the player and you negotiate. And, and I'm, I'm, I really believe that. Now with the star players, you have to go in there and have a plan and explain to them why this is going to be good for them, and they will execute your plan. And that's not the coach right now. No, 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 that's, that's old. I, I remember... 
<laughs> three books ago, uh, I <laughs> that's spent, how he, that's your that's your time that's, measurement. That's how I do things. <laughs> yes. Three books ago, I believe it was three. Maybe it was two. Probably whatever. Yeah, uh, I spent six years around the Vancouver Canucks. Yes, Mike Gillis was the ice. GM. I uh, now you ask me, Ice Storm. I, thank you, Ice Storm. Yeah, Ice Storm. Yeah, yeah. I, I write the books. I don't put the titles on. Anyway. No, but you got really good access in that book too. Well, didn't yes. You? Yeah. I, I'd known uh, Mike Gillis a long time as an agent. Yeah. Uh, he'd given me access in the past. Gave me access this time. Uh, and and I remember the moment I knew that he was in trouble was that uh, when they decided to get rid of AV, mm-hmm. they had to do something. Mike wanted John Cooper. Yeah. The owner wanted Torts. And. I saw when he lost out on that battle, I said, this isn't going to end well. No. And, and jo- uh, this gets back to Daryl. Yep. They need John Cooper in Calgary today. They yep. need that kind of a coach who can do all the things you talked about, uh, the respect, you know, s- say something to that guy that he doesn't feel like you're yelling in his face. I see these co- coaches who yell at people in all sports still. I'm, I'm going like, really? Do, do you think that world is still existing? <laughs> I don't know. It, it doesn't exist. Yeah. I, my my theory, and I've shared it with a few people. I shared it with Eric Gotchuk. I'll share it with you. As I'm watching this, is the secret, and this is so easy to say because they're great players, but is the secret for John Cooper, who's been in Tampa for 10 years. Yep. Just think about how many coaches have been in Alberta in the last 10 years, yep. right? Yep. He's been there for 10 years. Is the secret not being able to offload some of the hard-assness to the co- to the captains and have your players kind of be your enforcers. That's a wrong term, but they're the ones that kind of ha- they play bad guy or bad cop every once in a while, right? Well, we've only seen one captain in Calgary since '04, and that was the years when Geo ran the dressing room, uh, and and no Iggy. Well, but Iggy was never Iggy was never a, a force in the dressing room in in the in, oh in the okay way I'm I, I I see he was okay. a captain yeah the public thought he was well it was a follow me captain. Yeah. He was. Yeah. But Gio was the kind of guy, I look at you after you didn't play well and, yeah. and try to you know, hold you accountable. Yeah. And as we know, the current coach and the f- previous coach, he's the captain of the team. Mm-hmm. It's his mm-hmm. steely looks that everybody mm-hmm. is, 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 has to go by. So that's what kind of concerns me about it is that I, I, I don't know what they're going to do. Maybe you have some insights into it. I, I, I know I think... he's got more money coming to him, and I know that Murray hates to, to pay money he doesn't – I, I agree. I, I think you and I are going to revisit this in a little while because I do want to dig a little deeper on it. I, yeah. uh, let's stay on the on the building side just for a second yeah, here. Um, again, it's the one thing you can control in this conversation. You get a building, you get a facility, yep. you start to become a, a destination. I just want to go back. We we should have done a pre-show, and and then we would have been leave it in the green because, room. Yeah, no, we're we're doing it all out here. I just want to go back to the idea that what this is. This right. is. Political opportunism, buying votes. Do, is it ugly like that? Can we use those terms? Or These is it? Things have always been. Sports, but it, yeah, it's no stadiums it's, and arenas have always it's, been political creatures. It's not invented. You're right. No, but the, and and no one has been more critical of the arena deals that have been done in the past than I have. Uh, you know, yep, for sure. Andrew Zimbalist and people, their books I read, absolutely cover, cover etc. Absolutely. It has changed. Uh, you know, when I go to Toronto and I see the, well, I guess it's the Scotiabank Center now, uh, or you go to the Rogers Center, there, the baseball park, uh, it has changed in that you develop that area. It's not just the stadium. It's not just a building. one building thing. And, and people in Calgary know that the area around the Dome has been a disaster 
really financially, yeah. and and they've wanted the East Village to thrive. Yeah. And, and we know that people don't want to live in the East Village the way it's constituted now. Correct. It's dark, and it's kind of a little bit forbidding. So this gives you a chance to reinvent that whole part of the, of the city. I agree. So that you've got the restaurants, and you've got a, a comfort zone. So in particular, women feel like, okay, I can walk around that part of town. I don't think they necessarily feel as comfortable as they should right now in in, in the, the area. I, I hope I'm not offending people or, or no. Women I will get I, upset I, 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 I think if you go to the where the library is, I think where you where platform is, even where the King Eddy is, the yeah. music, the Bell Center, these are nice pieces. Yeah. But by building it up, is this not another form of gentrific- uh, gentrification? Gentrification. Well, the kind of thing they're talking about isn't gentrification. It's it's like building a cosmopolitan kind of okay. place. Okay. And it's restaurants, and it's going to be uh, entertainment uh, hub. Entertainment hub. It's going to be uh, sort of uh, uh, technology companies coming in there, etc. It's going to be the whole thing to try to put a new face on it. The previous mayor, that was his baby. That was what yep. he was trying to envision. Yeah. Uh, you know, time ran out before he got all that stuff done. Yeah. Uh, there really was no excuse for the arena deal falling apart the way it did too. I was just so discouraged in all the parties that it fell apart the way it did. Uh, the re-ask on some conditions about the dome, uh, the intransigence on the part of the flames from doing yeah. it, etc. Yeah. It, it, it's just been a huge disaster for the city, not just as a hockey rink, but all sorts of stuff. I, I, it I, stalled I, us out. I agree. And I, Bruce, that's why when I started this podcast a couple of months ago, I just recently been at the 35th anniversary of the Olympics and I saw a bunch of the people that put it on and they were talking about it. And it's so easy to get nostalgic about the past. I, I, I grant you that. But what it did is it, it really made me think about, you know, we live, we used to have a society in which a hero could emerge, a Frank King could emerge, be a visionary. Look, you don't want to see the sausage get made. No. But it got made. Yeah. And oh, it was good sausage. Yeah. Oh my God, it was good sausage. And we were the best sausage in the world for a long time, right? And then it's it, getting a little weird. And then yeah, it got, go well, ahead. no, but it got bad, you know. It, but, you know, to me, the whole plebiscite about an Olympics, and that's a whole other conversation, but no, nobody, there was nobody standing up and everybody was saying, what is it in for, what's in it for me? Yeah. Not as, as opposed to what's in it for us. And we need yeah. a little dreaming. Well, I don't know if this is it, but it's better. The city, this, all, all, all the Canadian cities have changed in that respect. So I, I don't want to. I don't want to point to Calgary as being different. Uh, I've lived in Montreal. Okay. I've lived in uh, Ottawa. I've lived in Toronto. I've lived in Edmonton. I've lived in Calgary. Spent a lot of time in Vancouver. Yeah. Uh, and and some smaller cities. Yeah. Yeah. And and the, you talked about gentrification. It has produced a different kind of. Uh, consciousness about the city and what right. it should be doing and what it should be delivering. Right. And it's, 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 uh, again, I, I don't, I want to choose the right word, but it's a more feminine version of what they think this, a city should be. It's not what the, the flames and, and, and Calgary was this, you know, brawling kind of cowboys and oil men and all that sort of stuff. Right. It's got a modern motif to it. More of a, yeah, yeah. We, yeah. we want that sort of thing. And that's, that's where Calgary is at right now. And, and the, it's it's one of the things that they have to f- try and find a way to make the downtown reflect I, that. I so agree. That suburban families will come into town, not just on hockey night, but other nights to do this stuff. Yep. So people will come and visit us and say, hey, you know, we, we weren't sure where to go but on a holiday, but we heard that the area around the arena is cool and you know, yep. we'll come for a stampede and see it. Yeah, all of those things. You, you have always been a good arbitrator of whether or not I'm close to being onto something or if I'm Looney Tunes and out to lunch. 
two things that it took away from yesterday that don't sit right with me. I want to see something. Show me a plan. Show me a picture. Show me something. Give me a sense. And I know they don't have it. I but it just so this seems- is it, it, I didn't read all of the stuff. So so we're reinventing the, the plan for the building itself. Yes. So all the other stuff has gone out the window. Yes. Okay. So we're, we're back so, to- so we're back to square one. <laughs> we don't have plans to show you. Yeah. And I this is my same criticism when when Ken brought out Calgary next. Ken King. Yeah. yeah. They had some pictures. And we talked to Ken on the radio and we started talking about, oh, no, no, no. Those are just, don't look at those. Those are, that's not it. It's just, you know, could be, but it's, you know, all through this whole process. Give me, I'm a visual person. Give me something, right? Show me. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Gavin, there's a map. We have a map. We we know where it's going. I like the location, sure. But we don't know what it's looking like. And the other part of that uh, subsection, because I said two, so I have to subsection this one is, you can't, to me, tell me what's going to make it cutting edge, right? Because I know they love the uh, the uh, Detroit's Little Caesars Arena. Yeah. I know, you know, even to this day, Excel in St. Paul still has a lot of positive qualities. Yeah. Yeah. But are we just going to build a building to have a new building? Or are we going to build the next? I there's nothing wrong with Edmonton, but I don't think I don't think that new building is you know, the next generation of arenas. Do you? I would say it's part of, of a current, the current style of how to build Style, yes. yes. Yeah. But I don't think it was cutting edge in many ways. It's got all the cutting edge technology. Not saying yeah. that. But, and, you know, and part of it was that uh, they did the loges and they, yeah. they really worked the suites and stuff like that. Yeah. But again, I think that was a trend in building. Yeah. But I'd like this building. I don't know what it is, Bruce, but tell me it's going to be the most technologically advanced. It's going to... It's going to have an LED screen on the roof, so when you're landing in YYC, you're going to be able to watch yeah. commercials in HD as you la- as you fly over. Well, the Alberta government may have something to say about this, but one of the things that I would say is yeah. that, it, that it would be a betting uh, open zone, a, a zone where you can go and make wages. Geofenced, and yeah. you can go in, yeah. and it would have a, a, a sports book right in it yes. as part of even the even the seating. Yeah. Give me something like that. And, and, and to your point... It would be something along the lines of what they've done to the Rogers Center in Toronto for the Blue Jays games this year. They understood that the place was was yeah. stale, concrete. The fences were forbidden. Yeah, they've done a whole lot of stuff integrating restaurant and and uh, uh, the the bullpen. and kind of social or, time too, right? The way yeah. that people. I'm not sure we all want to allowing s- places for people to move. Yes, like there should be a place where people can stand and have drinks and watch the watch game. the game. Your seat is there, yeah. but you mosey on up here because, as we all know, in all the stadiums, what's the problem? Everybody goes for a drink between periods. They disappear. Egress, ingress, yeah. and then up the. The thing starts again, and there's nobody in the seats. Okay, number two. Yes, sir. You won't care about number two as much as I care about number two. Community rink. Yes! More ice. 1,000 seats. Sucks ass! Yeah. This city needs, when it lost the corral, yeah. it lost that five to 6,000 seat. Ask the people up in Edmonton about the practice facility. That's what they're saying now. Yeah. It should have been bigger. It should have been bigger. The Hitman play out at, at seven Chiefs, it needs to be bigger, right? If you build a set, if you built a four to 5,000 seat arena, punt the Hitman out there, they can now sell in ice logos and stuff like that. It just, and well, I, this is one of the, this is one of the things I said for a long time about the big arena, the main arena, yeah. was when they were having all the trouble with the city, 
I said, if, if, if I'm the owners, I'm going to go see the Tutsina. I'm going to go say, I'm not going to have any of the political problems I would have with that. Let's go and build exactly what we want, do a partnership with the Tutsina. I live over on that side of town now with the Costco, and I can see the development, yep. etc. Yep. The Tutsina can people you, want to be progressive. Gab, can you put that map up again for me? I, th- I think, oh, okay, no, there's but, another. There's I, another. No, no, the reason I'm saying that, that map. So there's the, the C train right now, yeah. and there's a Green Line station there. Yeah. That's why. Because there's no C train out there, I bet you any could, money. Oh, could, you, you know what I mean, Rob? You could you could have one coming out there. You've got all of the with, with the ring road now and all the confluence oh, I, and everything there, dude. There I'm a big nothing. I'm a big fan of yeah. Satina. I love Satina, yeah. and and it. So I, I guess to the point I'm yeah. making is that this uh, that that maybe this secondary rink that be the project that you do with the Satina uh, as as a project together. For I guess the secondary so. Rank and, I, and I mean, again, I'm I'm blessed. Or, that's uh, the politics today is, yeah. is appearing to be inclusive. Well, you mentioned Treaty 17 and all off the top. Treaty 17. If you're yeah. going to be, that's how you that's how you act it. And and I think they might. Well, I haven't talked to the people. They don't talk to you. Personally. John doesn't call you on Mondays and go, "Hey, here's what we're doing this week. What do you think?" I see him at the Costco. You do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We, we fight over the last muffins. <laughs> the muffins are a good deal, anyhow. But that's that would be my idea as well. Yeah. But but rethinking the building, rethinking what it is we're saying to people, why they should go, that they feel safe around the building. Yep. Uh, I, I have no idea about parking. That's it, it there's a park. Uh, there's a parking structure uh, coming okay. with this as well. Okay, because this is a, this is a city that drives. Uh, You've the, noticed that too, eh? Yeah, C train. Uh, listen, my 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 could be son-in-law uh, is a transit guy, and he's worked for the city. He now lives in Toronto and does that sort of stuff. But we talk all the time about transit, mm. and transit everywhere is having problems right Boy, now. Is with, it ever with security, etc.? Is it ever? So what we have to do is we have to find a way to make people happy that they can get on the get on a Bridalwood where we down where you and I yep. live and haul on up there and, yep. get, and get off and stampede and feel that we're comfortable. Good. Yeah. You, you, so. you know, it's, it's interesting because the last part of the show today, I'm going to be talking about fan behavior, but it's people behavior. And it's, it's yeah. funny when we were talking about Calgary next, we never talked about that. Mm-hmm. When we talked about the last deal, we never talked about that. But what you raised, Bruce is so important right now. It is so important. Cause here's the thing, Rob, is that, when you price your tickets, well, they have to be priced. Yep. I'm not critiquing the, the team here. But when you price your tickets to maybe $300, those are people who don't care for, to spend another $25 on parking. They're okay with that. Mm-hmm. They're not going to get on public transit. Mm-hmm. So for all the talk about public transit, the higher the ticket prices go, the fewer of those people who are, yep. who are economizing yep. you're going to get. You're yep. going to get people who are going to drive there, et cetera. So. Yeah. But – Again, to your point, this is supposed. Are we invoicing to- them for this free advice? By the way, we should. Oh, I, I just assume this is a TED talk. That this will be shown at the next CSEC management meeting. Yeah, well, guys, if you don't mind, pay attention to this screen these- here. These two guys have got it. Why aren't they here? Hey, I didn't get a harump from that guy. <laughs> You, get, you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, we are live in the Oodle Noodle. This is so much fun. We are live in the Oodle Noodle studio, local love delicious. Since opening their first store back in 2005, Oodle Noodle has been all flavor and just the right amount of weird. Two locations, 1244 17th Avenue Southwest in Airdrie, 105 Main Street North. Pick up and deliver. Are you pro noodle? Do you like noodles? Raymond noodles, yeah. I'm Ramen. Sorry. Ramen noodles. R- Raymond, what? Raymond, Alberta. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're from Alberta. Oh, from Raymond, Alberta. Okay. <laughs> Everybody Ramen. loves Raymond. Ramen, Raymond. <laughs> Ramen. Potato, potato. Come on. <laughs> All right. Um, Can I ask a favor? Yes. 
Can you get your crack staff just a glass of water? I'll see what I can do. Please. I'll see what we can do. Um, never. That's a first. This is live. No, nope, I know. Broadcast. This is very live. I meant when the podcast something. comes out at 3 o'clock, it won't be as live, but uh, here we are. Um, all right. One of the reasons uh, that our friend Bruce is on today is we're going to talk about this book. And this book is called Inexact Science, The Six Most Compelling Draft Years in NHL History. But the author line is what intrigues me the most. Um, Bruce, I get. But this young man, who I remember hanging around at the studio, who I remember you using as an editor on previous projects, who I remember had, like, it was frightening. He worked at the dome. I know, but it was frightening because he'd come in and, and I, you try to fool him or you try, and he had a, well, he still does. It's not like it went away, but he has a mind like a steel trap. Uh, very pleased to have joined us, courtesy of our good friends at Ski Seller Snowboard, skisellersnowboard.com, 76 years in Calgary. And just right now, you can pick up great deals on snowboards, skis, things to keep you warm because it's still a little bit snowy in the mountain. Very excited to have your son. My eldest son. Is it number one son? Number one son. Evan Dobigan joins us all the way from Toronto. Evan, it's been a long time. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm fine, Rob. Thanks for having me on. Nice to see you again, and uh, nice to chat uh, about the book and everything uh, like we're going to do. Looking forward to it. Okay. Evan lives in, in uh, Brendan Shanahan's neighborhood. Brandon oh, oh Shanahan, he does. They're, They're neighbors. Where, that's where, no, but that's where Shani and his crew came from. So that's where oh, Evan lives, right down by the lakeshore. I'm in Long Branch. It's kind of like the next segment over. Actually, there's New Toronto, then there's Long Branch, but it's close. Like I, I go really close to the old uh, the Mimico Arena that Brendan Shanahan probably play all his – Lacrosse and the Leafs training and, uh, place is yeah. near you too, isn't it? Sorry, the Leafs training facility is oh, near yeah, you. Oh yeah, the Ford Performance Center. I could walk to that in about there you go. fifteen minutes. So now we know where you are. So if if we're looking for a guest or a place to stay in Toronto, yeah. uh, we'll come find it. Um, now you this sleep let, with the dog. Let's talk about this yeah. first. You, Evan, tell me about this book. How did where did the germination? Where did the idea come from? How did you guys start down this path? Uh, well, I think. I had, you know, thrown around some ideas about a book that I want to do someday and kind of like, you know, drafts or rough versions, like just write out a bunch of chapters and try to, or, you know, something like to, I could formulate into a proposal. And uh, at first I was writing about, I thought the, uh, every, I'd seen a book about the Red Wings, Russian five. And mm-hmm. uh, at the same time, I had been looking into doing one about just their 1989 draft, which sort of ties into that whole Russian yep. five story. That's where it's sort of like the springboard of, comes from for the Red Wings. And uh, and then I thought, you know, like that's a really cool subject to try to do a book about, even though it is close to like the you know, one I described. But then, you know, through discussions with, like with my dad and, you know, mostly with that, but uh, it was decided that maybe you could do one about like more years than just 1989. How about other years that, that stand out to have all these great stories and historical relevance to them rather than just focus on the one thing, you know, maybe deep dive and bite into some other uh, years. Cause it's not just, I mean, 89 is very interesting, but there are a lot of other years obviously that stand out. Right. So that's where it really came from is we're just trying to um, see, you know, take a year and, and look at it and extrapolate on it and then find some other ones and put it all into one book. But of course, you know, then you have to synthesize it down to something a little more narrow than just pick like, Hey, the 10, 12, 14, 15, then you have little blurbs on each one and, People who know me know it. It's probably hard for me to do little blurbs on each subject. <laughs> so that's why Brief we got it to six, I guess. So, so how did you? Uh, so how did you end up with six? Was that the editor? Was that just a decision you made? How did you end up just refining it down to six? 
I think it, yeah, like it started with a more round number. I think it was closer, you know, to 10. It was like at that. And then, yeah, like I said, realizing that uh, each one would have to be a little more brief to make the book something a little smaller than like a, you know, Tolkien novel or something. Sure. It would have to be, uh, you know, a little more concise. And uh, so it could have, you know, people say, well, why did you just get it down to nine or eight or something like that? But I just, based on what uh, was written, like each chapter initially was just a small proposal or a mm-hmm. small uh, sort of write-up, and then you go from there. And it just, you know, became obvious that doing something a little smaller than 10 would be prudent. And then it just came down to sticks because we realized, you know, a seventh one, nothing really fits. It would be too much yep. to cram it in. There may be too similar, and you start cross-referencing, you know, sort of like these the drafts become similar stories. Uh, even there even is some of that with 84 and discussing 89 because of the effect, you know, the Iron Curtain. Yep. Well, we uh, should talk, we that, should tell them what, so. which ones we decided on doing too. Well, we're going to, we're going to get to that in a second. A good and host six, has of a course, plan. As my dad has said, is original sex. It's just a nice number. And yeah, you wow. know what that, that I, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> the title says compelling. So for you, Evan is compelling the best or is it the more interesting stories when you defined it? Yeah, I think it's I think it's like you said that more interesting stories. Okay. I think it's the latter because uh, there's yeah because some people miss that point. I think that's why we try to use a word yep. as you know yep. that draws you in like compelling rather than saying the best or the most stacked or the, the you know the greatest most successful would have been a term that would have not really applied to what we you know discuss uh, necessarily. So because a lot of people are saying, well, this is missing nineteen or uh, two thousand three. You don't have how could you not have that draft in there? And how thought, did you know I was going to ask that? Yeah, exactly. Because well, there's so many people from that draft, so many players in that draft turn to be all stars and yeah. potential Hall of Famers. Obviously, that's just across the board, not just the first round. But obviously, you go beyond that, and uh, that would have been, you know, for a real hockey nerds, that's a compelling draft because, of course, it's, uh, it's one of the deepest, most uh, rich drafts ever done. Right. Um, but in and around that period, there's, uh, you know, the next years too, of course, there's the whole story of like, who's the next one. And then the one, two effect, like the great drafts where you have a number one and a number two is kind of also really intriguing. And that was very next year with Ovechkin and Malkin, but then there's 2005 with Crosby. So I th- there were some interesting stories out of the Crosby in that draft. It was just, yeah, that it came down to that one. I thought from that period, I didn't want to pick too many years that were so close to each other as well. And just focus on, you know, we have too many from the eighties or too many from the nineties. I want to spread it out over the history of the of the universal draft that I made, which since 1969. And so it ended up being that uh, from the most recent one we could pick from, because like I said, you can't really, you could pick a more recent draft and it wouldn't be a f- complete story yet. Yeah, it takes absolutely. 10 to 15 years to tell the entire story sure. properly of a draft. So 2005 is the most recent one, even though that goes back, you know, 18 years now we're talking. So the Sidney Crosby draft, because, you know, well, he's, you know, there's a lot of guys who come around as the next generational player, but in his draft, it was strange because it had to be done with a whole lottery because there was no season to base it off of. Right. And there was no arena set up, so they did it in a hotel like the old days. The whole thing was bizarre. To you know, There was two separate viewing events, watching the lottery and watching the actual draft itself uh, weeks later. So that's why 05 is, is talked about, even though I don't, you know, most people would agree it's not as good a draft as 03. Sure. The point of each of the ones that we did choose was we, want, we wanted each of them to be a significant year, a year that, that changed the business. Mm-hmm. And the first one we do, of course, is, is the Lafleur and Dion draft. Yeah. Yep. And 
that was the one that taught us the value of a first-round draft pick. If we didn't know before, Sammy Pollock taught us that. So we chose that. Uh, 79, of course, and it's a great – if you're sitting in a bar sometime and you want to win, win a uh, – uh, win a, a bet you just asked the question who's the greatest player never to be drafted into the modern nhl and of course it was wayne gretzky yep. so we chose 79 because that's different in another way mario in 84 yep. he's the first guy that kind of spreads his muscles a little bit and, and says wait a minute i know what a first round pick is like and so that that was significant 89 as evan has already referenced the russians then the red wings why that the, the international thing and so, we, again, in each each of the trades, we did Lindros for obvious reasons. Obvious reasons. Yeah. And uh, for each of them, it was something that changed the hockey business. So, Evan, you you said when I picked. Bruce, you said when we picked. Um, I'm I'm confused. Who who made the determ- Who made the ultimate determination, Evan? How did you, you know, did you did you guys have to come up with a system to, you know, I want 88. No, I want 89. Was there? Uh, yeah. I think it was most of the years. I just you know selected a bunch of them and then threw them out in there and said, here's what I think. And then, of course, there was a process of talking about whittling it down to the six we ultimately went with. And I don't really think there was, like, a real butting of heads on that idea, particularly okay. because well, be my dad sort of deferred to me on that a little bit. He was just saying, yeah, okay, I see your reasoning. I'll just, you now, know, be we'll honest, Evan. You chose the years in which you could yeah. say write the most stuff you could possibly write about the Habs in each year. No. Somehow, <laughs> by some miracle, each of the years exactly. has a digression. Yeah. There's a there's a Patrick Roy. Nothing digression. wrong with that, Evan. There's there's, there's uh, of course Guy Lafleur. There's all sorts of, and and you you did uh, uh, besides you did a Carey Price digression. Yeah, uh, yeah, all sorts of. All right. Uh, the coincidence in a way. And like it went away. 91, there's really nothing but the Habs in 91. I know that. And mm. 79. Let's go back to 71, because if I remember correctly, that uh, that's Oakland, right? Or uh, California was California. involved yep. with that. Right. For, for you, did it matter, Evan, that that's before your time? Was it difficult to get information? Was it difficult to kind of, you know, come up with the, the stories and the angles? It makes it a little tougher because you have to go back, you know, you for every year, you have books and newspaper articles that you can, you know, find. Uh, but you can uh, you, you can base your uh, your research and you can come up with things for some of the more recent chapters just by going on and finding YouTube videos or something yeah. or interviews that are online that uh, that'll help illuminate uh, what you're trying to you know, the stories you're trying to tell. But for '71, it's a little different because it's a very there's not a lot of footage. Um, there's not a lot of insight that you can find other than sort of like people recalling it from years ago. Mm-hmm. So like the like video at the time is sparse compared to say 2005 or even 1991. Uh, so, and you have to really go back far to find the newspaper articles. You got to go through like archive searches, and uh, and then piece it together through a lot of books too. And it also you have to get to the bottom of you know what's what's truth and what's fiction, what's hearsay yeah. because. When things are that old and over time, when, when the information wasn't as easy to discover, then like sometimes myths get out. Sometimes sure. stories are twisted and inaccurate. And eventually you have to find the the accountings that sort of seem to have the more consensus uh, aspects of it. So that was the more difficult part for everyone. But I didn't find it. I find it more like fun to do because I, I knew I had a sort of a basic understanding of it. And I just wanted to, you know make it more accurate and beef that up. So it was kind of, I didn't mind that it was, you know, wait 14 years before I was ever around. I had a lot of fun doing those ones, even compared to, um, uh, you know, the sure. stuff that I was live for really. Bruce, 
is it lost on on you or did you and maybe it's covered in the book but it's funny to me the first draft and the last draft that you picked because what happens if Guy Lafleur is drafted by California mm. right because that franchise is gone what yeah. in three or four years when Sydney's drafted by the Penguins could have been Anaheim no, but I'm. But that's also remember that was ball silly and right. and the Penguins. It's not a hundred percent locked in. in yeah. Historically, the the yeah. Penguins could have moved. Right, he got them the arena. The rest, as they say, is history. Nobody ever thinks about the Penguins not being in Pittsburgh. But I'm just wondering. I mean, how significant is seventy one? Right. Yeah. Be, I mean, if if he if Guy Lafleur goes to oh yeah, well, we, as as we. T- talk about in the book, or I should say, Evan talks about in the book. I'm not sure how I have to say this now, but as, <laughs> as, we, as we say in the book, the story that we that we discovered was that, in fact, obviously the, the Lafleur trade has been written about. You sure, whatever you want. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and Sammy took Sammy took Frank Selke Jr. to the cleaners. Absolutely, a guy who had been working with him at the Canadians. He took him to the cleaners on the trade. In any event, the thing we found out was that the night before the draft, that uh, Sam Pollock went to his staff and said. I have a chance to get Detroit's pick, too. Uh, we could trade them a bag of pucks, Terry Harper, uh, you know, a, a, a calendar <laughs> from the last year's Canadians winning the Stanley Cup or whatever and do this deal. And the Canadians could have had both guys, Dion and Lafleur. And uh, the staff, in fact, kind of, they didn't go 100% for it. And so he said, okay, we won't do it. But can you imagine what would have happened there? <laughs> and uh, it, it, it sort of, you know, it changed everything. And, right. and what's interesting, too, about that, and, most of these guys, unfortunately, of course, Guy has died since we, we yeah. started the book. But, yeah. Yeah. but most of these guys have written books. There's a lot of books and stuff, so we had access to material, etc. Yeah. So we were able to find things out and see uh, other perspectives on stuff. Uh, and, and the thing that, that struck us about it uh, uh, was, was just at the time how nobody knew. Uh, there had been the previous year when mm-hmm. Gilbert Perot was the guy, but nobody knew what this was going to mean. And, and, of course, they, they also drafted Larry Robinson, 19th overall. Yep. In those days, that was the second round. Yeah, well, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, Ev, what was it like working with your dad? Uh, it, was, it was okay. It wasn't, like, it wasn't a difficult thing where I had to basically talk him out of all kinds of stuff. I think it was fun because it was sort of like he knew that this was a subject I was really, you know, like capable mm-hmm. of uh, diving into, that I yeah. would have fun doing it, and that I was, you know, like he was there to be a sounding board to, to help me clean up some things and try to facilitate a lot of stuff that I wasn't used to from never having really put together a book like that officially. I uh, had never, you know, I didn't know exactly how to present it the same way that, it, that he has experience of doing. So that's why it was really good to work with him because I you know, learned some things along the way. I didn't think I'd learn necessarily. And it was probably a better book for it. Obviously it was a little more like easy to follow along with than maybe it would have been had I just done the whole thing. And I know there's editors and stuff. I know, sure. that, you know, yeah, yeah. we had a lot of we people had a publisher, yeah. working yeah, yeah. To, to clean it up other than, you know, other than him, but that whole process came about and probably would have, uh, the book wasn't maybe it's hard. I don't know. I can't, I can't speak to how the experience that the, the editor had to go through, but it probably made it an easier uh, book to, uh, to um, if uh, I can be allowed to, a dad edit. moment here. Yeah, you can have it. I was going to come to you a, anyway, but have go a dad ahead. Moment? Yeah, yeah, have a dad moment. The, the, yeah. the thing about most people when they write their first book is they tend to write maybe twice or three times as much as they should. Mm-hmm. They, they, they think that they got to cover the waterfront. And, and this was not – Evan was typical of that. He wrote a lot of stuff. Yeah. And, and so I went and I did an edit on it, and I cut back a lot of stuff, which I knew he'd worked hard on. Yeah. And as an <laughs> author, having done stuff, it's so hard to take stuff out that you're proud of. Yep. And – 
when the draft came back from him, he had taken all that stuff in, that information, the critiques, the, the, the advice, mm-hmm. etc. And he didn't get bitter and pissy about it the way I used to when I was starting out in the business. What do you mean? This is great stuff. Yeah. I mean, he learned, he was a professional, and he turned the stuff around really well. And, and that's, to me, was really encouraging to see. And it means to, to me that he'll probably be able to write going forward. But, but Evan, for me, as an observer in this, because I do remember you coming to the, the radio station, and I do mm-hmm. remember, you know, your dad taught, and you were a shy kid, you didn't talk. But, it, but if we talked about the Canadians or whatever, you, you know, you had your point. But you were also doing some work for your dad. Did you feel like you were a little bit of an apprentice, that, that you had that, you know, growing up around your dad and helping him up? Did that help you in this? Yeah, I think so. I think, like, doing the research for, for books and stuff or just at least going through and, you know, checking or fact-checking and all that and yeah. correcting anything kind of made it, like, uh, a, a, that, that part's, you know, I love to do. But, you know, the actual writing of it. There's more grunt work that goes into it than just that when you write the book itself. When you're yeah. just doing that, that part's – if it's your forte, then it's easy just to go back over and say, okay, this is – oh, this is a little wrong. And, oh, let me suggest this instead because, you know, or this didn't happen that way, that kind of thing, which I did with a few of his other uh, mm-hmm. uh, publish- publications. The um, the actual writing of it is a little different because you have to have all this structure and you'd be going somewhere and not be all over the map kind of – it really helps to after where you do it sort of, you know, yeah. not necessarily talk it out loud. You can whisper it to yourself to go back through what you wrote, wrote as a chapter and actually read it out to yourself, see how it sounds, not just in your head, but, you know, out loud. And I, I find it, it that is a helpful tactic to use because then you'll you see it from someone else's point, somebody who would, read, who would be reading the book. Uh, what would they think? You know, like, how would it sound to them? Yeah. So I did that, and that sort of made me help me, you know, help me edit some of the stuff I'd already written. Not just to go back over and you know, retype, but also to read it out loud when it was when I thought it was all a complete chapter. I would do that. Well, and, uh, and, and, and to Rob's question too about uh, how it affected you, I think it was helpful that Evan had been around watching me do stuff and coming into the studio, seeing you guys, yeah, uh, being mm-hmm. around players, being around it. A lot of people come in from the outside. It's hard when you're you're a fan. You're in there. Your eyes are ha. Ah. Yeah. And and Evan had a chance to be a, a fan to a certain extent, but also see that it was a business for you, you and me. Yep. The the, the yep. mics are off. We're in a break. We got to talk. We got to do this. Whatever. Yep. Uh, he met the p- people and he knew what the what they were like when they didn't have the jersey on, etc. So I think that helped him a fair bit in prepping. Uh, and my younger son Reese, mm-hmm. he ended up working four years for the Stampeders. Yep. And yep. I, I think for the same reason, that they were able to see things and they weren't just fans. They were able to do the job that they had to do. But were you intentional, though, when you, when your kids were growing up about showing them? You no, know, and, and the reason they say that, Bruce, is I learned... I'm a, not the one to answer that. No, no. Yeah, you are. Because, well, I no, no, because I learned from you yeah. about, like, oh, you wrote a book. Oh, this must be the greatest thing in the whole world. And then it's like, no. Like, you don't make money in Canada. Yeah. You do all the work. Just what you said, I write this thing, and then this guy puts his yellow pen on it, tells me to piss off, and I got to go do this. Like, it's not a glamorous thing. No. Like, and it's a lot of work. But and it's helpful to know that, isn't it? Right. And that was helpful for me so that when I'm interviewing authors, I know that, the, you know, this, <laughs> this isn't the greatest day of their whole lives, right? Yeah. Like, the greatest day of their whole lives is, some, is something else. This is your work. Yeah. This is what you do. So when Evan was young, when your daughter was young, when Reese was young, because this is your craft, were you ever intentional about giving them background, or steering them away from it? 
or steering them into it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that yeah. is, you you know, you look at the players nowadays, there's lots of second and third generation well, players. Was, that's the point I was going to make. Yeah. I've written, I wrote a column on Not the Public Broadcaster, basically. I'm sorry, about, Not the Public Broadcaster. Dot, dot com. Thank you. Dot com. Yeah. Yeah. And I wrote a column about how. It's, it's a great advantage now to uh, we look in the NHL. To, your father was a player, and we can see how many sibling, uh, how many kids are in the NHL. Oh, we're going to come back to that in a second, yeah. yeah. In any event, yeah, so yeah. That's, that, that is true. I was too busy to do anything consciously about steering the kids. I just thought that they would see what I was doing, sort out what they liked, and, and, and throw away the parts that they didn't, and that they would be able to go forward. Uh, Reese, for instance, after his four years with the Stampeders, decided he didn't want to work in pro sports mm-hmm. anymore. He went and he worked in the in the film industry for yep. a while, and now he's doing software stuff in, in New Brunswick. So, I, you know, I, I hope that they would see what I was doing, see the good parts of it, but also see the hard parts of it, see me frustrated or, or upset or, you know, whatever it was that things weren't working, uh, and, and see that it wasn't just a big fantasy world. And so I, I, I just hope that that's what they would see. And, uh, you know, he, he listen... He's been working with all the Bob McKenzie's and all the people yeah. at TSN now for at least ten years. Ev, I forget what how long it is now. Uh, well, this the carrier capacity probably it's been over eight, but overall uh, over thirteen years at TSN. Yeah, yeah. So you started as, all started days. as a summer student, didn't you? Yeah, well, it wasn't an internship. Internship. Actually, that's what it they was. were. It wasn't even an internship because they were expanding a lot. Because that was when T- that was just after TSN two had launched. That's how long. That, ago. that <laughs> is five. Years, right? I do remember that. Um, I do remember that. And they were needing more people to help with all the. You know, they were increasing the amount of sports center they were doing, so they needed more people. So it wasn't. It was kind of like a trowel by fire type of thing, sure. like an internship, but it was actually just a freelance thing to start. Like here's a few shifts a week kind of idea, and then. That works out. You get another, and yep. then you're about the five a week, and then you're looking at full time eventually. So that's how it eventually slowly worked out. That way, it's kind of like uh, having not, not broadcast school experience, but you know enough yeah. knowledge about it, and having done enough work, you know, on the side that it that I had the qualifications. But I had to then when I was there learn a whole new world, a whole new field of sports. Um, you know, viewer uh, fandom, I guess you say, not even fandom, but uh, dedication and devotion well, to work. sports, but turning it into, you know, Your career. A, yep. show, a show, yeah. helping to make an hour long show, you know, yeah, yeah. Every, every day. So your dad said, I should ask you, so I'll ask you, and this is the perfect place if you want to drop in a Hallmark moment, but <laughs> growing up, was your dad an inspiration or was he your dad? And this is just what he did. He wrote. I, yeah, I think it was just more like, uh, like seeing his job. And uh, I guess the inspiring part is just, how cool it seemed at times to have that kind of job. And I wasn't even, you know, necessarily the only one who who looked at it and thought, boy, that'd, that'd be a sweet gig or wow, all these people that he gets to interview or talk to and mm-hmm. hang out with or, or experience goes to the games and he's covering it and all these crazy things happen. And it's like, oh, okay, now it's time to write a column or before that do a report right? or even back in a studio, just, hey, here's some highlights, that kind of thing. Uh, you don't see any of the difficult, you know, sort of like on the go kind of, you know, yep. nerves that live TV can provide. I mean, I learned that years later doing, you know, at Sports <laughs> Center and everything, yep. and it was probably easier the, the the experience I had because we were moving, you know, through digital and stuff like that. You didn't have to pop tapes in all, all the time and putting together a, a highlight pack didn't require so much, you know, like, yep. you know, like editing and all that. Yep, hard copy stuff. Yeah, and uh, so when I was young, it was yeah, it did seem. It, I don't know, like you said, glamorous earlier. It was was close to it because a lot of people I knew or that were friends with peers at school were you know that I talked to that like sports probably thought 
damn, that's so cool and yeah. stuff. I saw him on TV. That's he's so yeah. that's amazing. Like you know, they they were more amazed than I was because I had sort of grown up into it. So it was just that's that's what his job is. So that's uh, that's how it is. Even though it is nice, but I didn't get too enamored. But I had a lot of friends that were. So that made me that probably made me even more <laughs> sort of like gleeful that that was his career at times. Is that people. It gave a, there was a bit of a rub from it. You know, people sure. like, wanted to talk to me about sports more, wanted to hang out with me or bring up once in a while sports. And they would ask silly questions once in a while, like, oh, what did your dad think of this or that? And I'd be like, oh, like, I haven't talked to him. <laughs> Why do like, I, I care? Maybe, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the book yeah. is, the book <laughs> is Inexact Science, um, the six most compelling draft years in NHL history. Ev, do you want to tell me about the new project? Yeah, we're working on one right now. That's uh, it, it, we're going to go through rather than picking out years. It's like you know, with the draft, there's particular trades that we're going to go with now that are the most impactful, or at least there's no number it's necessarily been decided on yet. So that could be, I don't know if it'll be six, just like this book. We might not want to repeat ourselves with that uh, uh, number, but there's going to be a, a series of trades, and mm-hmm. we're just limiting it to. Uh, the modern, like the expansion era. So we're going back to, you know, 67. Okay. Growth of the NHL. When okay. really trades started to become more prevalent, obviously with double the amount of teams, there are more trades to be made and trades started to become more important. The less the owners had their grip on the players, the less, you know, like of a, yep. of a fixed system the NHL was. So since then we're picking like the, the most, uh, I wouldn't say, I'm not sure the word we'll use is compelling, but impactful, I guess okay. is a good word to use. And uh, okay the trades won't all be like the same kind of moves. And we're not necessarily picking like, Oh, this first round pick for that first round pick. No, no, no. It's more players. It's personnel. It's well, names. Your dad stars, let the cat stuff. out of the bag. Cause he, he's <laughs> already told me that the Kachuk deal is in there. It's from yeah, last year. The good thing about this book is unlike the draft one where you can, you, you can, yeah. you can sort of pick a trade that's just from a year ago sure. and there's enough now after a year. But of course, by the time it gets written and stuff, we'll, you know, however, whatever happens between now and then, we'll still have to preface it by saying this is premature. Some of it, let's not. Yeah, <laughs> we're not writing the epitaph on this trade yet. But I mean, you know, like if we were to, if it were to be completed and finished and out on the shelves or whatever right now, then obviously there'd be a different sure. slant to that Kachuk trade. Obviously, absolutely. Yeah. But in a year from now, who knows? Who knows? It's be completely different. We'll see what happens for both parties. Right. right. It starts starts with the Esposito trade in '67 to fill Esposito to the Bruins, which makes yeah. the big bad Bruins. That's yeah. why we start. Okay. Frank Mahovlich <laughs> trade. Okay. Uh, Gretzky. Gretzky. Or my uh, probably uh, oh. actually I I don't know if we're going to do Gretzky because we did a lot of Gretzky stuff in in, in, in exact science. We're going to definitely do the Messier what, trade what about, to New York. What about Gilmore? Does that Gilmore count? trade is in there? Oh, it is in there. Okay, it is in there. Yeah. So yeah. Patrick Waugh? Uh Yep. Yeah. Patrick Waugh. Evans. That's one of Evans. He's, yeah. He's yeah, doing yeah. that. Um, okay. I'm thinking. I should know. I've been, I've been working. On this. Oh, I, that, one of the other ones, which is more contemporary, yeah. is. Uh, I've done a chapter about the Las Vegas expansion. Okay. What happened there? All the trades they made. Oh, it's kind of as a whole yeah. story. So it's yeah. to just a single yeah. trade. Okay, I like that a lot. Whatever, there were 20 yeah. some odd transactions, et cetera, yeah. and how they, yeah. the Vegas uh, yeah. guys un- took uh, took advantage of no-move clauses and all right. that sort of stuff. So yeah. there's one trade that I've, that I've put, it'll be at the top mm-hmm. of the, the chapter, but Obviously, there'll be a lot of other stuff. If Vegas were to do something, it's kind of like when, when I was writing, when we were doing the last book, the chapter on, uh, on 05, 
<laughs> I was like, oh, the Canadians in the finals right now. I was like, I may, might need to edit this if they win the cup to carry price angle changes completely. But I think it didn't even make. I think that the the cup final ended after the final edit anyway, so it would have come out with incomplete information in that case. But this in this case, it'd be like if the Golden Knights went on some run here and won the Stanley Cup, then yeah, then we've got even you know that chapter makes even more uh, significance, obviously, because it pays off down the road. There's a lot of, you know, moves they made that were parlayed into others. And a lot of times teams were giving them draft picks just to not take certain players. It's sort of like they just reap the benefits of a new system that, what was it? It was, uh, the, one of the, the famed capologists you know, that you, uh, that, you know, uh, Lawrence Gilman yep. came up with a whole structure for it. the NHL turned to him and right. Oh, Bill Foley and the the Golden Knights should be thanking him. They should be sending him a Christmas eat. card every year and a turkey. Yeah, <laughs> like and Seattle, at the minimum. Yeah. Well, and Seattle. Yeah, he already has a turkey. He works with the Leafs. <laughs> there oh, we go. Have two more for you. One uh, one has to do with your dad. Okay, to write a book just has to golf a little less. You've got a full time job. When do you write? Where do you find time to do the writing? I. I sort of write it like uh, um, before shifts start, kind of like in the afternoon. Whatever. I, I have this. Yeah, my wife is like a normal nine to five job, and okay. I, have, I have a daughter, and she's in daycare now, so it's not like around. Not like people are around all the time, so I get more more of a chance that way to, gotcha. to write it. Like that, I did um, in ways with the first book because that was I started out in twenty nineteen, and then, but I actually had more time to write it because it was always remote because everybody was you know yeah. like. For me, I didn't come back to work in person. They didn't. I, I had bothered them to say, "Oh, I can come in." I know I don't have to, but I'd like to come in once in a while. And that started again last May, and then it gotcha. was quiet again. And now it's three times a week we come in. So, so now it's back to being, you know, like a destination kind of work workplace thing. So that would leave less time, I guess, too. And you know, having a kid around and everything. There's <laughs> there was probably more time for the first one than this one, but I still am finding time to fit it in. But it's slower, I think. And I, mean, I don't know if my if my dad could speak to that or not. Like, I'll just prevent I've only you completed writing too much. That's all. The two that I was supposed to like, we've split it up. Mm-hmm. Right one, but then in the end, I'll look over what he wrote and vice versa and flush that out. But there's just two that I so far that I've written, and I think he managed to reel off double that amount at the same time because he's. If he was well, he wouldn't. If he was golfing even more, but of course the golf season's shorter in Calgary anyway. But That's the, a good uh, the the he's had more time in his hands to do that sort of stuff, obviously than I than I have. So I've only been half as uh, productive. But I did uh, think one of the chapters he wrote, I've already gone back over and sent it to him. You know, yep. we got a rough framework of those ones. We're add to them as we go along with stuff from books and interviews and and so on. But uh, yeah, I'm a little less productive than with the first book, but I'm still finding time to. And, and I think he's been more of a help this time because he's contributing more of the writing this time and uh, finding it a faster system. This is going to come along more speedily than the first one, I guess is what I'm saying. (laughs) My last question for you. um, What was it like to sign a book? What was it like when somebody shoved it across the table and said, would you sign it for me? Uh, A couple of people already that there are kind of people I already know, but it's kind of cool. It's fun to give them something that, uh, that I could, you know, put my signature on because they're, they're, they're obviously like if I read this book or write, let someone borrow it, then they're going to see that here's proof that I know you. Kind of idea. <laughs> they did. They'll have something to show them to say that this is you know, hey, my power of this thing, and here's proof. Because rather than cracking a photo of the two of us together, this is the easiest thing. It's just a signature from me in the you know in the forward or wherever. <laughs> so I've done that a few times, and it's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, thank you for doing this. Congratulations on this book. 
in exact yeah. science. Best mm. of luck on the next book, which is Deal With It, which is, I mean, I, you can't say it without me hearing your dad's voice. Like, but as soon as I hear... the name. It's his name. I know, but I hear it in your yeah. voice already. I ah, deal with it. <laughs> deal with it. Exactly. Uh, Ev, congratulations yeah. on all your success, continued success. I hope you and the family are, are great. I know you've, you've made your dad real proud. I know he tells you that. But mm-hmm. uh, to, to see you come, son, from where I saw you and, and to this point, this is awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking some time today. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, thanks so much, Rob. That, that's uh, cool to hear. All right. All right, buddy. <laughs> See ya. Okay. I got to tell you. Please. A quick start, because you're talking about influences. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, when, when Evan was about 14, uh, 13 or 14, uh, we were living in Toronto, and he and my son Reese and another neighborhood kid, they used to go down to the basement, and it was when WWE was. Sure, the, was in its popularity there. Was it WWF at that time? Anyway, when it, before they changed the name. Anyway. Oh, WWF then, yeah. So, yeah, so they'd go, they'd go down to the basement, they'd wrestle and do mm-hmm. all this sort of stuff, like, Kids boys do. do. Yeah. Boys do, yeah. yeah. So uh, fast forward to about uh, 20 years uh, later, I guess it's about 20 years later, and uh, the, thir- the third kid who used to wrestle in our basement is now one of the stars of WWE, Karrion Cross. He's just, he's just. Karrion Cross was in your basement. <laughs> they were wrestling down there. This is where they all learned to do their stuff. So where Karrion, was this here in Calgary? This was in Toronto, in Toronto, in Toronto. And, 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 uh, he was a neighborhood kid. And so he's now one of the stars. I didn't even know he's Canadian. Yeah, he, and he lived in Toronto for a fair bit. His mother's Canadian. His father's from Vegas. He sort okay. of split between both. Yeah, of them. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's got this whole thing now where he's got his wife. Uh, yeah, uh, Scarlett is Scarlet. on. Is on. Is, on is his wife. That's his actual wife. That is his actual wife. He was. He was married. He's to done someone. very well. Yeah. Hasn't he? He's done very well. He was married to a woman from the uh, Cirque du Soleil, but that didn't work out, and so now he's doing yeah, this. He act landed on and, his feet. I'd say. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. And so Meredith, my wife, watches the Friday night. 
yeah. packages to see him. He's not at the top, top level. He's not the Roman Reigns level, but he, they, he was in the Royal Rumble. Did, did you want to be part of our uh, SummerSlam preview show with Brent Gibbs? I don't know. Should she, I be? Well, we had She's a, a... She'd be my wife. Your wife, wife Meredith, would She knows them all. She does. Oh. We, we um, yeah, I mean, it's, well, it's not even a story anymore, but during the pandemic, uh, Brent Gibbs, the... Uh, Vice President of Retail for CSEC and I, every Saturday morning, we would uh, FaceTime each other and then log on and we'd watch Stampede Wrestling. There you Uh, go. And in order. And historical. The old ones. The old ones. Oh, okay. Because that was our youth, right? So we were, well, yeah, a little bit old, uh, you know, uh, Bruce Hart and Brian Pillman and Mucka Singh and, and that. And, and it's carried on uh, to the point now where we're actually watching Smoky Mountain Wrestling from the 90s, but oh. that's neither here nor there. But but we went to Dungeon Wrestling, which is uh, Brett's kids yeah. put it on, and they go to the pavilion. And I'll tell you, it's been an absolute hoot. So you let Meredith know she's got an uh, okay. w- open invite to come with us. Yeah, Kevin Cross is his real name. Kevin Cross, and, okay. And, and I've got a picture somewhere of him with the boys in the basement. Really? Putting each other in grip holds. And now he's about 235. Oh, my God. He's ripped. He's a killer. Yeah. That, that was his independent name, Killer Cross. Yeah. That's and right. then, and then you know, and they gave him. He was the champion of whatever that the, the AAA version was. He was the champion there. Yeah. And then they brought him up. I'm giving you some background. They brought him up, and uh, but Vince didn't like him. And he was made to disappear. And then, of course, Vince had his problems, his me What problems do you speak of? Well, he put a freaking helmet on the guy. <laughs> yeah, like, it was stupid. It was terrible. Uh, but Triple H is a fan of Vince. Yeah. Uh, Triple H, of course, I think his last is Paul Tremblay's. No, it? Levesque. Le- Paul Levesque. Anyway, yeah. good Canadian boy from Montreal. <laughs> uh, actually, from Quebec. And uh, But he likes Kevin. Yeah, so. I know, but, but the old man's back. I know, but Kevin, Kevin's still... I, I hope Because okay. he deserves a big run. He deserves a big run. Yeah. He's, he's very good on the mic. His and, best and, thing is and on the mic. And she's really good. Like, yeah. there's eye candy, and then there's eye candy with a purpose. Oh, yeah. And she's got a purpose. Yeah, so like, anyway, it's part of the presentation. So you talk about Evan, what he got to see growing up. So some but days... Bruce, that kid was in the hot stove lounge, yeah. sitting at the table. You and I'd do four hours of radio, yeah. and he'd be in a book, and would go to a commercial. He'd stand up, he'd come over to you, and he'd show you something. Yeah. And you go, yeah, Evan. Yeah, Evan, yeah, Evan. I mean, and I'm not making light of him, but he was a shy... Yeah, yeah. And the idea was to stop him talking so we could get back on the show. And, and it, you know, if you ever said to me at that point, yeah, well, wait yeah. wait 15 years and he'll be on our show. Yeah, okay, yeah. Bruce, you know, it's your kid. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> you should be so proud. Like, I'm telling you like you aren't. Yeah. I know you're proud of all of them. So. But this is this was wonderful. This was so much fun for me. So yeah. thank you for allowing me to do this. Well, this thank you. And, and he'd and he'd come home, and my, all my kids would come home, and like Carl Brewer would be sitting at the table having tea. <laughs> now you're need, now you're name dropping. Uh, but that's that was his life growing up. You know, yeah. those are the people who'd be hanging around our place. And what about what about? And I yeah. maybe I should have asked him. I shouldn't have asked you. Do they um, do they they ever watch the video or the video with you when you um, confronted uh, Eagleson? Uh, Eagleson. A little bit. I think Evan does, and I think Reese knows where. I mean, you know where to find it if you want to see it. Uh, I, I've got all that stuff. I put it over onto disc. But I'm so, I, surprisingly, Rob, I don't watch that stuff as much as. No, no, I, no, 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 no. I'm not saying no, no, you. No, but I'm but... saying I, I save the stuff, and I don't watch it. And and the kids don't necessarily watch it, but they know of it, and they know of of, of the history of it. Well, because and, it's and it's a it it's a seminal moment in hockey history. Yeah, it is a seminal moment. I'm not saying that because you're here. I would say that if you you weren't here. Well, I did that... Alan Walsh's podcast because he wanted to re. Right, that stuff. Okay, and talk about 2005, and he wanted to talk about what had happened. Yeah, in, in that era. Is that Alan now? Uh oh, I'm in trouble. No, no. <laughs> this is where I tell him I can't talk now. Can I call you later? <laughs> um, 
yeah, it, it's it was uh, it was it was a lot of fun to, to to relive that because that was, and you and I talked through that whole time because we didn't have hockey. We did not, so we had to what keep did it. We talk about? I can't remember. Oh, I actually I know what we did. Uh, by the way, I just <laughs> want to let everybody know that uh, Evan was brought to you by Ski Seller Snowboard, Ski Seller Snowboard dot com. Seventy six, nineteen forty six. They started in Calgary. Yeah. Three locations: McLeod Trail by Chinook Center, Seventeenth Avenue Southwest, just off Fourteenth of Street, Bow Ridge Road Northwest by McDonald's at Winsport. You're a skier, aren't you? Good people. When I first moved to Calgary, yep. and it's now twenty three years ago. Yep. I can't believe it's that yep. long. That's where I went to get my ski stuff, and they set me all up again. I'd, I'd skied when I was in Quebec growing up. Right. Moved to Ontario. There's no skiing in Ontario to talk about. Right. Came to Calgary and uh, took up skiing again, and, and they did a great job in equipping me. One of my f- f- one of my favorite pieces of trivia is that, um, and you can fact check me on this, but if I've got this correct, weren't Al Mackey and uh, Eric Dehatchek both ski reporters in Calgary at one point in time, or didn't they both cover? Like Eric moved here to cover skiing. Yeah. For the Olympics for the, around that period. Around that period. Yeah. But I think, did that, didn't did Al do it for a bit? Al, Al was a general reporter for okay. the Herald, and yeah. then he went on to the Globe. And and so did Eric. In yeah. Fact, they went on to the Globe. And and once in a while, you get a call to go up and do the World Cup at, at Louise. Yeah. Uh, and they do that. They weren't on the beat per se. Uh, Vicky Hall tended to do more of that sort of stuff. Well, in the modern the era. But I mean, yeah. I, would, I know Dehatchet because we were talking about it a couple weeks ago, and I think he got insulted when I said, did you have to do like the, go out and measure the snow depths? Because you <laughs> remember when we used to have a newspaper yeah, 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 yeah. and there were there was the depths right yeah. like it's, you <laughs> yeah. know 192 inches or whatever yeah, yeah. um okay so my guest mr dobigan uh i mentioned uh seminal moments um there's that but also seminal books money players yeah. money players to me is on the same level as the game uh you know the, the when you talk about the books that you know have told the story of hockey money players was one of them and That's and lasted. for and for no other reason, not no other reason, that's the wrong thing, Bruce, but <laughs> the way it starts with Gillis, yep. right? And the Bobby Holik deal, yep. which isn't it kind of wonky? That's 25 years that ago. Was, uh, he was negotiating with Slats in New York City. And it was before I moved to Calgary, so that would have been in the nineteen mid nineteen ninety. Oh, well, the, the book came out in two. I would say about nineteen ninety nine, two thousand. Okay, right there. Yep. And Bobby Holik was made nine million dollars a year. Yeah, forty five million dollar contract. Right, and it basically ruined the Rangers. Sure, it drove uh, 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 Gary Bettman so crazy. Yep. that he was able to go to the owners. Yeah. This is no no lie. Go to the owners yep. because of the whole league trade and say, you have to give me the authority to cancel the entire season if I need to right. in negotiations. Right. They gave it to him. They in ninety four, ninety five, he didn't have them. No, he didn't. And you remember he they got, wanted they wanted back in, right? And they pulled and they pulled yep. him back. Yeah. They pulled him back. And he said, I'm not doing this again. And when he came the sec the third time in 05, that's what happened. And but that's he, why he was able to cancel the season. But even nine Bobby million dollars but nine million dollars today, yeah. while not the most, is still a hot is good. right. It pretty good. So it's I sat it, with him that day, uh and he yes, was and that's the start of the book, right? Yeah, that's the first well the, the, I think we started with the end, which was uh, the press conference with Goodnow and all those guys uh, sitting around after the, the thing was over. So I sort of... Right, 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 but right. But the first real thing is that time, t- and I sat with him that whole day. <laughs> in, the, in the morning, he's sitting there in his pajamas, and we're talking, <laughs> or he's talking, and I'm sitting there like a fly on the wall. And he's also negotiating for Mike Richter, yep. and he's also negotiating for Tony Amante that day. All, those, those are the three guys. Yeah. I think he got two of the three done that day. 
And uh, but the whole leak thing was fascinating. Oh yeah. And and uh, as a journalist, as a writer or a reporter, as yep. something like it, to get on the inside of a story where people let you see how the as you would say the sausage is made, that's that's gold. And yes. So it's it's one of the reasons the book has 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 lasted. Uh, that and, and the hockey stick book that I did called The Stick. Funny enough, called The Stick. Yeah, yeah. I was very creative there. Uh, but those those books have lasted. No, you, listen, you've written some great, you, the Grant Fuhrer yeah. autobiography. Um, but I want to talk about this one because this is something you and I have um, taught. This one's called Cap in Hand, How Salary Caps Are Killing Pro Sports and Why the Free Market Could Save Them. Um, this, is, this is a newer book. Yeah. Not... Brand new, but a newer book. Twenty nineteen, I think. Yeah, but 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 you and I were talking this stuff yeah. way back in 03, 04, yeah. right? Yeah. That, that that And what we're talking about today is more relevant than ever right. this stuff. Right. About smaller markets. Right. And about the the idea. Do, do you still feel this strongly? You yeah. still you, you I, th- I that think over time it hasn't because over time Well there's a lot of people who don't want it to happen and, and I don't underestimate the fact that they will hang on and, and make the sport worse. Uh, just because they're being stubborn about not uh, going to where reality is. Right. But, but the idea that I had was that we're, 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 we've moved into a global sports market uh, that's global broadcasting, yep. global wagering, all those kinds of yep. things. And people don't necessarily want to see uh, a Tuesday night with St. Louis playing Winnipeg. That's that's of no interest to them on that on that level. Uh, and, 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 and there's equivalence of that. Every, Even in the every, NFL. Every sport. Right? Even every, in the NFL. The, the yeah. Jacksonsvilles and all that. Sure. Sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So the thought I had was, and because I follow, uh, follow soccer, the thought I had was it should be like the premiership where you have 20 franchises that can afford to be up there. Mm-hmm. That the, the, You don't have – you're not having some welfare that you give them to keep them hanging around. They're, they can afford – their owners can afford to pay the price right. of doing business. Right. And then the people who can't play in a – Second division, right? They, they give it a fancy name. They call it what, the Premier. There's the Premiership, and then there's the the Champions, Champions League, League. Yeah, all those, and things. then the National invent, yeah, and all they that. They invent yeah. those names, yeah, yeah. But the idea would be that if, if you were reinventing hockey, you would have twenty of the top markets, maybe some in Europe as well as in mm-hmm. in, in Canada and mm-hmm. in the United States. Mm-hmm. You would have them, and you would have a second division. If I was the NHL, I would expand to 48 teams right away, mm-hmm. and I would have 24-24. Mm-hmm. I would have relegation and promotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would do away with large elements of, of, of drafting. I would have maybe a one- or two-round draft at most. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would let kids be free agents long enough so they could develop. Any, any territorial component to that? No. no. I, I, it's a free market. It's about Completely free market. Free market. To, to a certain to, I mean, yes. The way soccer does now. But, but and I'm not trying to bog down on something, but you mentioned Europe. So you're saying a, a, a Swedish, an 18-year-old Swedish player could be signed by Calgary yeah. in this in this environment. Sure. A kid out of Moose Jaw could be signed by, you know, Farstad or yeah. Helsinki. Well, they are now. There's there's no regional stuff anymore. There used to be when I grew up, and you're talking. No, about but I still think there's I, I still think there's international stuff. You you know you don't see a lot of the the SHL in Sweden does not do a Canadian draft. Oh no 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 I I, I right. appreciate that because yeah, yeah. they're a minor league. No no it's not appreciated. I know here. you know that. I just want to make the sure the Swedes wouldn't come here if the money wasn't here. They'd stay in Sweden. The Russians. I be I here find that hard to believe. Are you sure? <laughs> Have you seen Swedish girls? <laughs> yes. No, I guess so. Yeah. Um. So to that so end, there you go. And, and I apologize because had I known we were going here, I probably would have done a little bit more homework on this. So this is yeah, off the top well, of my head. Next time. But was this not was this not the failed 
uh, Super League in football that they tried in Europe with the, the, yeah, uh, with the teams? A little bit. That was a year ago or two years ago now? I guess pandemic two makes everything. Three, yeah, the pandemic thing. It was also my thought, and I started thinking about it too, because of Greg Norman in the 1990s. He wanted to have a global golf tour. Right. Uh, and, of course, it's ended up all these years later in, in the Live Tour. How are, how are you with that? It's a business. It's a business. And I mean, these guys who are on the pro, you know, I watch the, the, the Golf Channel, and I love the Golf Channel. But this idea that somehow the PGA Tour is like the Sistine Chapel and everybody's is pure, and all the guys who are over at Live, all, they're just money-grubbing assholes or whatever. I don't, I don't like it. I don't appreciate it. Because I, I saw the WHA start. I saw the American football where I saw my first I, I saw them game, all yeah. start. And people yeah. said all this, oh, you know, it, those guys are going, Bobby Hull's going over there just for the money, etc. Well, actually, Bobby was going for the money. <laughs> <laughs> he was trying to get away from the word system. Yeah. But, but give it time and see what develops because I think there is something better. And, and if they, they just get rid of all of the inflammatory stuff, tell Phil and, and, and Greg Norman to go away and negotiate with some of the more sane people at, at live. And the same thing on the PGA Mm -hmm. side, get rid of the the extreme people that you will get a global product. And I, and I think it can, it can work in terms of team sports. The NFL is too far down the road that that they're on right now to, to really have to, they don't have to listen to anybody. But baseball, the NHL, and even the NBA, they kind of have to listen to people. We're, we're just in the – something else I wrote on uh, my website. What's the website? Uh, I'm sorry. It's not the publicbroadcaster.com. That's right. Is that right? That's okay, it. good. Okay. I, I wrote a column in the last little while, and, and you know about this. You may have talked about this, of course, is cutting the, the cable. Mm, people are cutting the cable. Absolutely. And, and w- what is the result of that for pro sports? Well, so much for teams, uh, sports that are regional – the NHL, the NBA, etc., uh, even baseball. Uh, when you, you, they get so much money from regional broadcasting. But when people cut the cable, that's it. There's, that money isn't there anymore, and they're looking at a huge shortfall in terms of money in those sports. Well, Rob because, Manfred said it didn't he like three weeks ago or yeah, two weeks ago. Bally's like, going bankrupt. Absolutely. But but Manfred said it was great when we got. People paying us who weren't watching us, which yeah. was the the cable fees and the you know the uh, carriage is a carriage fees? carriage fees. Yep. Yeah, because ESPN was getting what eight dollars a subscriber at one yep. point. Yep. They still do, right? They probably still do. But yep. cable networks, as we know them, the people here we have Rogers or well, we don't have Rogers here. We have whatever Shaw. I guess Shaw is becoming Rogers. Shaw and Telus. And Telus. Uh, yeah. Those those would be the ones that you have yeah. in your home. Yeah. People, you you probably know these people too. They've all said, you know, I don't watch eighty five percent of these channels. Why am I paying for them? Exactly. And, and so now they're going to go and buy YouTube TV. They're going to go buy. Uh, I have the the, the zone. I watch you, the NFL, you do. The yeah. Zone. Okay. So you can do a little hodgepodge thing, save on money, and and just but, not have but are you are we saving on money? Because I've got Disney Plus, <laughs> well, Netflix, Crave, you know, it Redbox. What you want. Uh, now, is this because you're watching with your family or just for yourself? No, it, it feels like there's almost a different one for different members, right? Yeah. Like, you know, the, the younger one and my wife get a lot about a, uh, Disney Plus. Britbox is for me because uh, there's some stuff I want to watch from over there. Okay. You know, mom likes Netflix. The older one likes Netflix. But at least you get to make that decision. You, you but, say, there, but, Bruce, there's a whole lot of stuff on there I'm not watching. Well, that's the point. Is, is You say, I don't want all those things. I don't need your, your special bonus package. But, see, I'm almost positive that. I need the third history channel at some point, <laughs> right? Like, well, does, they don't show history on it anymore. <laughs> no, they don't. They, no, truckers and logs yeah, and stuff, right? I mean, something like that. Anyhow, the, yeah. the, we're, we're headed into a whole new economic 
situation for pro sports, for our economy in general, but in particular for pro sports. Are we sports. talking enough about this? Uh, because the, the owners don't want you to talk about it. The reporters, sports reporters like to report on games. They don't necessarily like to get into those other stories. That You, you and I have talked many times mm-hmm. about it. One of the reasons I was able to do the stories I did was because nobody else really wanted to go there. It was, it was a little bit dangerous. It, you didn't make many friends by doing those stories. Nope. And you're not going to make friends by getting too much into the cable cutting thing if you're going to go to the games. The, the owners and the players don't want to know that. But we could possibly see player salaries drop by a third or maybe even a half in certain sports because, again, Bally Networks, for people who don't yes. know, Bally Networks, we, we have, all those regional yep. centers, our good friend Ken Daniels yep. out of Detroit, that's Bally Detroit, yep. all those people, those channels, they may just disappear. Well, they have in baseball, have they not? Isn't, isn't Major bit. League Baseball starting to stream some markets? They're, they're trying, but people don't want necessarily want... They're not going to get the service that they get out of a streaming service from, out of it's New different. Jersey. Absolutely. You'll get a game, but the top and tail, and will you get anything more than that? Will it be what you want? Of course not. It won't be what you want. So we're, we're, See, we're that, on the cusp that, of something being dangerous. Yeah, and, and let, let's talk about that because... You know, to me, it's the Rogers deal with the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, it like again, sometimes it's inside baseball, but I think did it happen when we were working together, or had it already happened that they went strictly with Rogers? I think it was no. After, it happened after the second go round. You yeah. know, before you had the audacity, sir, the audacity to write truth about Rogers on a Rogers platform. How dare you, yeah. sir? God. Now it's the uh, Vladimir Guerrero network. Oh my. But no, it's not even that. It's like, who can we rent stuff from now? Yeah. Right. And, and uh, you know, somebody says, oh, nobody cares, Rob. Maybe. But the fact that. They care. The fact that Sportsnet is now bringing in NHL today rather than creating. Yeah. Rather than producing. To me, that that's dangerous. Yep. We're not telling stories anymore. And God bless him. Cabrell's here in Calgary, and he's a great guy, and everybody has to work, and, and I understand where it all fits. But we think now that instead of storytelling, we'll do the gambling stuff, and we'll yeah. tell you the, the odds. I still think there's value, and maybe it's an age thing, Bruce, and maybe the kids don't want it. I right. get it. But you said it. Like, you, you know, you don't get the tops yeah. and the tails. I'm worried that all the tops and tails are going. You need a place to go to hear people bitch about their team or to celebrate their team. And, and that's oh, we're really lost. good at that on this network. Well, but I'm saying yeah. that that's the new thing. That's but, the new thing. No, no. Do you have as many subscribers no. as and, and nor are we no. Nor are we going to the National Hockey League with a check that starts with a B. Yeah. Right? What? Bupkis. <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> that's check. Our, that that's check. check. Yeah, I that's get my check. I get that check, too. Yeah. Um, what do you think? I'm yelling now. Oh, man. It's like it's like we just left the studio and started again. We need to go over to the hot stove. We just got to go and... What do you think the next NHL deal looks like in Canada? Cable deal. TSN has got to have a piece of the, they got to get their beak wet in a way that they haven't. Do you think Rogers wants any of it? Do you think Rogers is going to stay in the game? I think that they've got, if they don't, then everything falls apart. Like they've, they've built chains of, of the city TV chains, they've all, all of those things across the country. But the hockey is what holds it together for them. The hockey is what... When but they're go, not investing in the hockey. Well, I know, but when they go to sell their advertising, that's the first thing oh, they no, drop I, on the desk. I don't... Hey, I, by the way, we're the guys who I, have NHL. I don't hockey. disagree, but yeah. you can't have it both ways. If I hear freaking... Uh, What's his name? Jack uh, in... Uh, I, and I... Billy Jaffe's a great friend of mine. I love yeah. Billy. But I... Like, I see more Nesson games than I see Flames games. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right? Well, what, what, what will probably happen too, and you're seeing it on the national level stuff, is we may see the next NHL contract um, be partly owned by Google or Amazon or Disney. Or, well, not Disney. They, they, they're beaten up so bad on sports these days, they'll probably stay away from it. But get, uh, Google. But they have the infrastructure Amazon. through ESPN. Yeah, I know they do, but you may have noticed they're just firing thousands of people at ESPN. At Again, you say? Yeah. yeah. To, uh, the last week, and then the on-air people are going to go in the summer. Uh, absolutely, in any event, yeah. In any event, you're going to see Google and, and, and all those people take the rights maybe, or part of the rights, or maybe the whole rights from the NHL, because Gary likes he likes the big deal. He likes, he likes the money. One They're, big check. They likes. are addicted to the money, yeah. and I... I'm, you know, and I have no inside information, but I have, there is nothing that I see from Rogers that leads me to believe that they're interested in continuing uh, in this path. But how do they sell their cell phones if they don't have baseball, baseball and Raptors, baseball and Raptors. Oh, so it's just, just hockey. Oh, I'm not saying they're closing Sportsnet. Oh, I'm just saying they're, you know, they'll keep their local. Yeah. You know, they got what the flames and the Oilers and stuff like that. I think Vancouver is a very a profitable market for them. Yeah. They'll do something in Toronto, but the, the NHL rights, deal, yeah. you know, I, I was told directly by the guy who's running the, you know, when they were negotiating this thing back in 2013, they didn't want everything. They yeah. wanted their Leafs. They wanted to control the Leafs on yeah. Saturday night. That's all they ever wanted. Sure. And sure. and they still get to do that. Yeah. But now, I mean, but I, there was, there was some Jack Edwards, by the way, the, I had a, an yeah. old man moment. If yeah. I see Jack Edwards on my TV one more time, I'm going to snap. There was some waving of the of the paraphernalia in, in each other's face too. It was a it was a it was like whose was bigger between Rogers and TSN and that. But they're gone now. Pelly's gone and Scott. No, I, I know, yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, Bruce, you need to know this. Yeah. Rogers, <laughs> <laughs> you might have missed it. Keith was good to me. So Keith I, was always good to you. I, I, yeah, I no problem. But, but yeah, yeah. But they built it and they left. Yeah, but because that, did that they did lot. they jump off a sinking ship? Uh, well, Keith. Got out ahead, yeah, of, of some things. Like all the people that he hired all got fired after he left. So why would Bell why would Bell write a big check to the NHL? To keep the Toronto market. From who? From anyone from from Amazon, from Google. I mean again, I see there, what you're saying. There are so new you're you're here. suggesting that Google could come in and say yep. see I, do you understand the C B C deal with with Rogers, like, there are they just renting the name? I they use I, the building. They use they, they they basically rent the prestige of Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, the quid pro quo is that they do ads for Shits Creek uh, and, yeah. and a couple of other things, and yeah. that's it. CBC so gets so so if Rogers drops the NHL deal, yeah, that then what happens with Hockey Night in Canada? Well, it's a brand that that will probably can be sold or whatever. I, again, I don't think that Rogers would entirely do it. I think they would hang on to hockey. You, you think they would? do okay. Saturdays. Okay, okay. Maybe, but again, they, they're always trying to keep it away from TSN. And what I, is I, Rogers in the business of and what is TSN in the oh, business of? Selling phones. They're selling phones. With so you jacked can't, up prices. You, you can't, oh, you said that, not me. You can't. Are we not as Canadians paying yes, more? of course we yeah, are. Thank you. Okay. This is not the public broadcaster.com. We Mr. say things like this. Mr. Burner. We're controversial. My uh, other one will be called burnerphone.com. <laughs> Burnerphone. Yeah. Anyhow, they, the, as long as there's that competition, yeah. they'll be watching each other. But as I say, the future of, of broadcasting and who owns rights, and the NFL's going there already with, mm-hmm. with Amazon and mm-hmm. do, doing their Thursday nights, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Where that's going is, is, is telling me it's going to be very difficult. That gives world. cover to other sports, doesn't it? Yeah. If the NFL's doing it, then we it's can legit. do it, yeah, and we can do it. Legit. But the NFL still, to this day, of course, national rights—that's their bread and butter. Yeah. The other sports, regional rights. The, the 
baseball, the World Series, okay, that's all right. The NHL, the playoffs, that's all right. But by and large, the, the meal ticket is, is, is the regional stuff. And if the regional networks disappear... Big question. In fact, Canadian hockey fans are probably safer that they're they're, they're not going to lose a product because Rogers and TSN are in a more stable market. You know, they're not going to de- declare bankruptcy, but Bally and those people are declaring bankruptcy. Right oh, now. I, yeah, no, no, I, I agree. I just, it, you know, it, it kind of we I don't know, we can get in the soccer stuff if you want, but it kind of pissed me off when you know Sportsnet paid to broadcast, you know soccer one or whatever it is the yeah. the canada games lead up to the world cup it's like hey look we got soccer no you didn't they don't even do freaking you know if you want to watch the blue jays and freaking spring training you're watching the pirates or the phillies yeah. channel like either and some people and, send and, and, and now i can finally say this and you can appreciate this why do we accept you're just making me mad why do we accept no, make you think why do we accept that makes you mad why do we accept <laughs> One broadcast when the Flames play the Oilers. Why do we accept that? Yeah. It, it By definition, it's one of the best you rivalries. Need, you need an answer? I know exactly why, but we accept it. We have lots, and, and baseball I hate more it. Than- I, I hated it, Bruce. I hated yeah. it when I had to do yeah. those games. I hated it because you knew automatically half the audience hated you for just opening your goddamn they mouth. turned you off oh, on the radio guy. Ty, sorry, Ty, I didn't mean to swear. Ty is one of my superheroes, and he doesn't like it when I swear on the podcast, so I apologize, Ty. But, apologize. Okay. But, like, it's, no, we just all seem to accept it. Yeah. We just all seem to accept it. What's your alternative? Let Jack Michaels call the Oiler games. Let Rick Ball call the Flames games. No, but but what, what, how do you pressure them into doing what you? Oh, think you, they don't pressure, you don't you pressure. You don't pressure. You can't pressure them. You can't pressure them. I mean, okay, true or false? Yeah. Radio is better when you're actually there. Radio is better when, when you're actually at the event. Uh, the Jays don't travel. The Flames don't travel. Uh, oh, you're talking about the, the crews. I'm talking about the radio crews, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. We, the radio, the broadcast is yeah. better. Now, again, inside baseball. The last time I listened to a radio, uh, well, hockey game on radio. I was going to get there to you. I mean, yeah. is that? Is that even going to exist in 10 years? Not, not a thing anymore. Well, I thought, I thought because of COVID, they were going to go to the simulcast thing. Yeah. I thought that was the future. I wrote a column on, not the public oh, broadcaster. Oh, not the public broadcaster. Yeah. Dot I wrote com. a column about saying sayonara to the home broadcaster, and in particular with baseball. But they seem to now be sending Dan Schulman and those guys back out in the road. But, I, 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 but not the radio crew. That's right. They stay at home. Yeah. They stay they home. Stay at they, home. Do it, they do it from the from and the And I... I to me, it's the death knell. Of course, it's not the same because you're not talking to the people no. uh, at batting practice. Baseball, in particular, is such an organic sport where you're, you know, there's a game every day, and if yeah. you're not there, you don't really know what's going on. Yeah. Hockey, you know, they come there. The, the, you can get a lot of stuff at, at the skates and stuff sure. like that, but not the same one. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, I think in the next couple of years, it's gonna, it's, it's theater is yeah. what it's gonna be, especially what happens this year with baseball because they're the ones dealing with the regionals. Bowing out, and and now you're seeing oh, basketball too. Yes, that's but basketball is about to end. All the games are on national, yeah. right? Baseball's living it right now, and you know, you, I think we've been seeing you know some lawsuits, you know, saying we're not going to pay you this much, we're yeah. only going to pay you this, um, and that's as you say, that's where the money goes, and the players get part of that. I'm really, you know, I know we're all bait, we were waiting with bated breaths for b- bated breath for the NHL salary cap to get to 100 million dollars. Yeah. I'm not sure it might not might go stall, the... stall out, yeah. I've talked to a few people who are, who are very concerned. That it might... Yeah. Stall or go the other way? Uh, stall. Okay. 
Yeah, because first of all, we may have a recession in the back half of this year. Yeah. Uh, which will affect the general economy. And then, of course, all these broadcast revenues. And and f- for people who don't understand, the reason we had expansion, uh, they thought of for hockey, at least 67, was they wanted to be in, in, in re- different regions of, of the, the continent. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. But they wanted those broadcast things. They wanted to get into those broadcast networks. They wanted to be right across the continent instead of being stuck in the Northeast. They wanted all that stuff. And they... they with the basketball people, they looped into all of those networks. And for a long time, it's been very profitable. Very, very profitable. good for them. Yeah. And now it's out. And that's why I wrote Cap in Hand is like, what happens next? Yeah. Who, who's doing the thinking about what happens next? And what is it that the, the, the customers want? And yeah, we want to re- root for the Flames. We want to watch the Flames games. But other than that, who cares? Other than that, you want to watch the best. You want to see... Well, today, for instance, in soccer, it's Man U, uh, Manchester City is playing Arsenal. Probably the winner is going to win the Premiership. It's a global event. Yep. That's where the future is. That's where these things are going. That's what people want to see. They don't, they don't want to see somebody else's regional stuff. Uh, listen, I know there's people in Pittsburgh who, who, who love the, the Pirates, but it's over. It's over for them as a major market. Let's concentrate on the major market. Keep the team. The Pirates don't have to go away, but you play in a second division. If you get an owner that says, you know what, I'm willing to spend the, the coin to get up there, then you do it. But right now, that's where I, I think the reality is pushing. And the gambling is, is, is a large part of that, too. Why hasn't uh, a North... Why don't we have gambling in Alberta? As I'm explain oh, we're working you. on it. Don't worry, but we'll get there. Um, okay, well, now, okay, now you open up two doors for me. Um, for the arena. No, we'll get to the arena, too. Why hasn't somebody in North America adapted, adopted, bastardized re- relegation in some form? Uh, because, well, hey, listen, tomorrow's the NBA, NFL draft, and yeah. it's become a huge property, TV property. Right. And the NHL and the NBA have made their... their yeah. So there's, there's a kind of a, well, what, what are we going to do with that property, et cetera? But what I've always said was, when you come down the stretch in an NHL or an NBA or MM season the teams are playing out the string they're tanking yeah they're tanking oh it's terrible right? look what dallas did at the end of the nba yeah. season yeah right? exactly yeah uh so if you have relegation though those yeah. teams at the bottom they're going like hell yeah. they don't want to they don't want to go back down into the land of no money yeah. they want to stay up there with the big boys. Mm-hmm. so you have two things happening at the same time top of the table bottom of the table all happening at the same time i think it's a better product it's a better thing to sell to your audience and all of those teams are trying hard the whole time I, I laugh all the time, of course, about about the lottery for the drafts, right? And the NBA and the NHL, well, we can't have tanking. We can't the worst record. Oh, we'll fix them. You know, now it's be divided amongst three. Now it's ten teams. Now you've basically told ten teams, you know what, if you play well, you, lot, you got a shot. You got a shot. So you've gone from worrying about one team. Now you've got ten teams saying, Hey, let's start our backup goalie tonight. Um well, I'm a cynic. Uh, no, no. About Two years ago, three years ago, it, it sure seemed like the savior of, of pro sports or sports uh, on on the sponsorship side. I think we can all agree that, you know, as we see companies amalgamate and, you know, the, the marketplace isn't what it used to be for sponsorship. It just isn't. And, no. and I don't think, you know, the, the appetite just to buy a static board sign and go, you know, here we are. Um, but it seemed like the crypto and, and sports wagering – we're going to be the two. Right. Crypto has kind of fallen off, and, and maybe it comes back, maybe it doesn't. But the wagering, the sports gambling, and you just mentioned it. Bruce, is this, do, you know, 
you you mentioned the premiership. The premiership just went and, and self-regulated off. before the government did, right? Yeah. They, they took the logos. They off took the, the logos off the jerseys. Is this a? Are but we, they didn't. They did. They're not not taking. The no, money. no. I'm not saying they're that. But, but the they, they're the still gambling. taking the money. But is it is it the cash cow? In North, is it going to be the cash cow continually in North America for the next decade, or is it just a, a fad right now to get the money? It's it's only going to get bigger. It is, eh? So making a judgment, to, well, for instance, in the United States, I think it's maybe under 30 states that have uh, legalized gambling. So mm-hmm. there's still a lot of states that don't have it. Mm-hmm. Until we, we have a uniform picture across the country, you know how it works, no you know, what is that optimum number? Because now you get people gambling in New Jersey who come, well, New York State is kind of, that's a bad example. Uh, Pennsylvania doesn't have professional sports betting. So you have Pennsylvania people betting in New York. So you're not really sure what you're looking at yeah. in terms of yeah. your, your no, total I get that. audience. Yeah. But anyhow, th- until we know that, we can't say what the finite number of dollars is in, in the market. But w- when you see Wayne Gretzky, and by the way, it was Janet who was gambling, by the way. Remember? Oh, no, no, I absolutely, yeah, no, no. But I, when you yeah, see yeah. Wayne... And he's there with the number one player of his generation, and and they're, they're with Rick Tockett. She was gambling with Rick Tockett, wasn't yeah. she? Yeah, I think. Okay, so, just yeah, okay, got it. Yeah, and I'm sure he she led Rick down the, the yes, because, yes, yeah. yes. Anyhow, uh, when you have them married to that image that much, then it's 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 locked in for a while. Now people are pushing back. People don't like it, and they, they, they tell the teams, and they tell the broadcasters there's too much of that. But what we're finding out is how many people actually do bet and how many people would like to bet on, on the sport. That's the part that's fascinating to me. Because and I, dangerous. I, yeah, but I think it's larger than I expected. Yeah. I think it's much larger well, than just, I expected. But, uh, I don't know why. I just didn't think. Well, think of all the people who've had fantasy teams, fantasy leagues, and who've played in, in, in office pools. Yep. Well, now here's a chance. Like last night, I, was, I did a FanDuel team. Uh, was it FanDuel or is it? Uh, yeah. I can't remember which one. Anyhow, and I just did one for the last two games of the night. And I won 20 bucks. But people out there saying, well, you know, I could do the office thing, but I can just sit here in my living room and, and do a lineup and put in for 10 bucks and make 20. You know, yeah, that yeah, sort yeah. Of stuff. And that, that's getting into people's minds. That's where they're going now. They're sort of saying, you know. And then when we, again, when we talked about the arena earlier, you go in and you sit there. Will the Flames, you know, you have a chance to, to lock in, put a bet down. Maybe it's a buck or something. Will the flame score on this shift? Boom, you press a button. Yeah. You know? Well, I listen, I honestly, I thought... It's, it's part of the fun. If I, if I was bringing an American Hockey League team into Calgary, this was three or four years ago, yeah. my whole thing was I'd be basing the whole thing around events. That, you know, that's what my screens would show you. Will the, will the Wrangler score in the next five minutes? Yeah. Will the visitors get a penalty in the next two minutes? And... It just seems like is is gamification the right way of saying this? That that you know you're taking a you know a couple of generations that have grown up on video games, and as I said before, you know I don't know I was saying to Boomer off the air, I am used to the filling out the betting slip, finding the bookie, and yeah. you know betting on a game maybe a parlay. Yeah. Now it's you know it's these predictor games that they were doing before it was legalized to get everybody ready for it. Yeah. And that's what it feels like. It feels like props tr- now. feels like trivia. It's props. Like tomorrow night for the draft, yeah. I've got all sorts of stuff on the NFL draft. The you, NFL draft's a big betting opportunity. You do already? Oh yeah. Also, I, I do, do you need help? Are you okay? Are no, you? I'm, I've I've learned the first guy I ever dealt with in Toronto, the first bookie I've ever dealt with. And yeah. This is in the days when they were bookies. bookies. Yeah. Was a guy like this, <laughs> and he literally. <laughs> He would show up in a beat-up old Cadillac, and he'd have the, the odds written on a pen mm-hmm. p- pen and paper here, and he'd open his trunk, and the trunk would be full of, like, 
of, of uh, utility stuff that he that was hot, and he was on the side. He was basically you know stuff that fall off a truck. He was marking. <laughs> okay, so that's yeah, yeah. where I started. Yeah, yeah. And I learned by hard lessons over over time how to bet. Did you ever to, owe a bookie? How to manage? Huh? Did you ever owe a bookie? Oh yeah, I'm sure I've had to pay many times. No, but I mean, were you were you always prompt on your? Oh yeah, no, no. You're, no you were I never never, never uh, like a movie where you know Bruce, if you don't pay us by the end of the day, I know gonna... people who've been in that situation, but yeah. I didn't, okay. and I never, I never, you know. Again, I had Evan and, and Reese and Claire to look at, and I'm going like, I can't spend that money. Yeah, gotcha. I have a budget, but yeah. I've learned how to manage my money better. Gotcha. And there's now so many different ways. Like it used to be. Uh, Point spread for an NFL game, over under, etc. Now all the props, all the other stuff that you can draft, I, do the draft. You but, can do well, and I don't want to come across as some sort of prude or anything. I, I have, you know, I have no moral. I mean, I when I went to Vegas as a young guy, I thought it was great. Go to a sports yeah. book, watch a game, bet on it. It was cool. Yeah. Um, I'm just more fascinated by how how quick, but also how quick our morals changed. Thou shalt not gamble on the sport. Oh, you, Pete Rose, are an evil, bad man, and you should wow. never get... You know what I mean? And, and the judgment on Pete Rose doesn't look as bad, as good as it used to. No, well, yeah, yeah, and that was always a staple of sports talk, right? Yeah. You know, should Pete be accepted or whatever? And now it's, you know, and I'm not saying what he did was right. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm just saying the whole societal shift happened so rapidly. Because yeah. it's only 2018 that the Supreme Court allowed, yeah, in uh, states, yeah. right, in the States. Well, people were betting a lot of money. And there was oh, no, no. Vegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying where all of a sudden now the other states could yeah. get in. Well, right? and, and for Canadians, we've been able to access the offshores for a, oh, for yeah. a long time. Yeah. At least a decade that I've been involved with Bodog or Pinnacle and yeah. those kind of people. Yeah. Uh, but so you've had that, and and what we're finding out now is how many people were betting all along, right? Uh, and how many people will bet now that it's easier, uh, and they'll, they'll they'll migrate from office pools uh, to you know, I just find selling it, squares and all that stuff to it. I just find it a little obtrusive. If I want it, I know where I can go get it. But yeah. you know, I don't think I don't think they're selling it right. As as a guy who who bets, and I, again, I don't bet a ton of money, but as a guy who does it, I don't think. And God bless Cabby and all those people. None of the ads go anywhere for me. They, they, they don't make me understand why I should do this. Or None of those ads are going to turn me into a gambler. Yeah. They need, they need another way to send the message to be even more subversive and more dangerous to people because they'll go, oh, wow, that's, that's even better. Because they're, they're, not, they're not getting me to, to bet. What I God chuckle about, I don't know if you find this as, as funny as I do, what I chuckle about is the innocence of youth. And watching, um, you know, football, NFL football back in the 70s. Yeah. And Jimmy the Greek would come on. Yeah. And, and <laughs> Jimmy was just predicting these games. Like, and they're going to win. That's, he's, he's right. They're going to win by a field goal. By How seven, he, by six. He thinks it's going to be. And, and, and I had no idea what it meant. Yeah. It was just Jimmy the Greek. It was him and Musburger basically doing all <laughs> yeah, this stuff. That's and right. of course, Musburger and oh. his brother have done VEASAN. Yeah, and so, I, I watch VEASAN every morning. You do, eh? Oh, yeah. Uh, there's, there's, so is that the way to do it? Yeah, because there's a lot of there's a lot of people there who know what they're doing. Like I, I don't really, I don't bet any hockey. I don't, bet, I don't really bet baseball. I bet some golf. I like golf. Yeah. Uh, I do some NFL, but okay. I do events like the the draft and things like that. I mean, I try to stick to the things I know. Okay. And the things that I can handicap a little bit for myself, and then I also know people who are really good. Like there's one guy in Veasan who does tennis to death. He's fantastic at tennis. He's winning like 60% of the time, maybe more. So, you know, I follow him. Sure. But, uh, 
No, no, no. I'm glad. Hey, listen, these these are not the same conversations I have when Pete comes on. I did, I did, a, I did a story on Jim back when I was a young man. Yeah, and I was just starting out in the business. I was a TV Guide magazine, the Canadian TV Guide. You yeah, remember the little one went on. I on do. TV? Yeah, and I was sent to New York City to do a piece on Jimmy the Greek. Okay, uh, and uh, I spent the afternoon with him at the Aqueduct Racetrack, uh, and he he wasn't. That's a movie, right? Oh yeah. It was yeah. It, there was for me. It was a movie. Th- there was there. Got, there was made men there. I'm assuming. Oh, Aqua and, and around Jimmy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, sure. And and he wasn't having a good afternoon betting wise. And so my story was not getting anywhere. I couldn't. Get, his daughter was the liaison for me being there. And most of the quotes in the book, she basically fra- or the, the piece, she phrased for me because Jimmy was not in a good humor about it. He talked a little bit about growing up in Pennsylvania and the hard. Yeah, yeah. Scrabble town, all yeah, that yeah. sort of stuff. And then we got stuck in traffic coming back into New York City. And I had to sit there with a brooding Jimmy the Greek for half an hour in New York City traffic. <laughs> traffic. Going, oh, my God. Uh, all right. We've only got a couple more minutes, unfortunately. Uh, I, we could do this for hours. Uh, back to the local How hockey. How many minutes do we have? Uh, okay, we've got a few more minutes. Eight minutes. How about that? Okay, because I, I want to say one last thing before we go. <laughs> Well, let we're me not know. going. No, yet. Let, when let, we yet? Let me. Know I will. You're... That's right. When have I never allowed you the last word? <laughs> <laughs> Please. All right. My heart is in this. Yes. No kidding. The local hockey heroes. Uh, we skirted this issue um, in hour number one. Yeah. Um, you know, we're both on the same page. Yesterday was a little bit of a head scratcher. Um, deal in principle. On this show, we'll deal more with it as the week goes on, but. How much of this, this, with the local heroes, feels like Groundhog's Day? Does this not, I mean, you've been here for now yeah. about two decades. Does this not feel like, mm-hmm. not the same actors and not the same movie, but the plot feels the same? A lot of the things are the same. The big difference is the ownership group of this hockey team is not the same as it used to be. Yeah. It's not guys who brought the team to this city and who were determined to do everything they could. They weren't guys like Harley Hotchkiss who were, you know, open-hearted guys, et cetera, and who, who were going to do everything for, for, for the city. I mean, is there somebody here, if, if, if Murray and the guys decide that that's, you know, they're, they're, they're fed up with this, this situation, is there somebody who's got a billion dollars to buy this team and, and, and finance it and run it? I don't, I don't know. I mean, there are people with a billion dollars in, in, in Calgary. There are rich people here. But is, is there somebody who's disposed towards financing the hockey Not that team? I'm aware of. Yeah. I mean, not whose name has come up, let's yeah. put it that way. And that's, that's what concerns me, is if, if this ownership structure we have now falls apart or, or isn't working, and they decide they want to get out, who rescues this team to keep it in the city? Wasn't it supposed to be the Shaws? Like it, it, a long I, time ago. I think there's always these names, right? The big yeah. family names, you know, the Thompsons, the Shaws. You know, they'll jump in. They'll spend right. the money. We find, we find, Rob, that people who get rich is because they know how to spend, not spend big amounts of money on things that are unpredictable. They spend conservative amounts on things that work. But am I... So am, I'm, I'm but am I? But am I off base on this? Because I agree with you up to this point. If I'm paying attention, and now they're telling me that the sale price of the Ottawa Senators yep. might be north of a billion dollars, was eight hundred million there? Like it, yeah. it's valued at four hundred and fifty. Now it's eight hundred million. He might sell it for over a million dollars. You know, say what you will about this club, and and it, it has its issues. Yep. But to me, it's got more value than the Ottawa Senators. 
You would you would think so. So if you're Murray, are you, you know, no, I think I'll hold on to it for a bit here. Do, do you think there is even somebody out there to, to tempt him by trying to buy it? I don't think there is. I don't think. In Canada? Well, somebody who would keep it in Calgary. I don't know, Bruce, because. Because I'm, I'm, as an expo fan, I remember when out of oh, I bought the expos. Yeah. And oh, my God. There, yeah. And yeah, I don't yeah. want that. No, to no, I don't. There. I And I, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. But your point, it's it's kind of the, if you run a good shop, you've got a redundant backup. Yeah. Right. If I go down, somebody's got to be ready to come in. If you go down, somebody's got to be, if if not Murray, then who? Yeah. Well, that's my that's my point. And I don't I don't that's have. That's what worries me a little bit about it. Does it does, eh? And and the the thing about a city like Calgary and and the size of the market, etc. You really want them to be a cutting edge. I refer to the expos earlier, but one of the saving graces about the expos and through almost the whole time they were there is they had really good baseball people who turned out prospects and they were cutting edge. Mm-hmm. And everybody in baseball said, "How do the expos do what they do? Continually bringing out the talent." That's what Calgary has to do. And I'm, and I'm not taking a shot at Todd Button or anybody here. I'm not saying that the scouting department hasn't done a job. But in every way that you run your business, that people look at you and say, yeah, that's what we should be doing. No. And what I get the sense of now is, yeah. is is this group is trying to imitate everybody else. And I want to see them be the trendsetters. I well, and I, lo- and I love that answer because, you know, and, and I, I, you know, we, we ask everybody that comes on. and Well, they ought to talk to Eric. Other to- people come on? Yeah, once. What happened one time? I thought because I was this, going This to is money. really encouraging to me because you stayed for the whole time. Um, <laughs> I thought it was because I owed you money. <laughs> no, but, you know, they ought to get Eric Telsky. But the other thing I hear all the time is, well, they ought to interview other people, okay? And then they can ask them how, how come it works for them. And I'm like, what, what, what are you trying to do here? Yeah. To your point, um, we had these conversations around Daryl's first tenure, mm-hmm. and we were talking about, who, you know, I remember talking about, you know, Vancouver and you, you had the inside line on Mike Gillis. Yeah. I was like, well, why I was would try to make Vancouver the place that was doing things? So who's out there in your mind? If you were recruiting for this position right now, and I, I'm Bruce, I don't know if I should tell you the parameter is you inherit Daryl or you get to make a decision on Daryl. I think it's you inherit Daryl, but I don't know. Yeah. But well, is, that's a big difference. Well, no, it is a huge difference, a huge isn't difference, it? Yeah. I, 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 I will say going into this, I don't follow it the way I used to enough okay. to know okay. who who the hot young people are, yeah, uh, men or women, uh, who they are. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I, I don't have somebody who I can say that person needs to be put here. But they have to find that person who's who's ready to come in here and, and make this a would you a going concern. would you interview Craig Conroy? You know, obviously, I think you, you have to do that. I'd like to hear what Craig thinks, because I'm sure Craig has had to bite his lip when other people were sure above him. Sure. He may have those ideas. Yeah. He may have those ideas. I, I think he's a guy you want to keep around your franchise. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a, you know, a good humor guy. You want him around. But, and I would give him the interview. But I, I, just, I just want people to, to, to watch a Flames game and say, wow, man, they run a good shop. That's, look at them. You know, they have a small market. But uh, compared to other people, but look at what they're able to do with it. That that that's part of the part of, and I could be completely proven wrong. And I, I, I it's a drinking game around here. Everybody knows. Oh, he's about to talk about Matty Phillips, but I just felt like that was the biggest swing and a miss this year. Yeah. That you lose twenty four games, or you go twenty four times. You go to uh, overtime. You lose seventeen. You lose whatever it was thirty two one goal games, and you had this kid, and you never. Gave him a chance. You played him two games and then sent him back. So Daryl. So right. But because so No, but Daryl comes from that era that it's you not know, my I, job to develop at the NHL level. 
Yeah, well, maybe. Maybe he still thinks that. But it's, it's his job to find some guys who can score in, in, in the shootout because the shootout cost you a playoff spot. It did. Let me ask a quick question here. I Absolutely. I know we're up against. Why do you think it worked for Daryl in L.A. and it hasn't worked really the way he wanted it to here in Calgary? Because I, I think the game has changed that much again. No, but it wasn't working for him before. Then he goes to L.A. and he wins. Well, I think he went to... We all predicted that it was going to crash but, and burn. But I think he inherited it. He picked up a team that, was, that had Dowdy and Quick and Kopitar in their prime. Right. Good players. I think they were underachieving. I think he went in there and cracked the whip. You know, you talk to Robin Regeer and you talk to guys that played down there, and, and you know, Daryl was Daryl and he was just coaching. The yeah. same thing in 03, 04, right? He was, even the regular season of 05, 06, I know how the first round ended, but that was a good team in the regular season. Yeah. They weren't having any fun, yeah. and they weren't having any fun in L.A., but they were winning, right? right? And I think... I'm just wondering whether that group, that leadership group, just basically pushed... Pushed him to the, didn't let him stand in the middle of the dressing room the way he does now. That they had him in the dressing room and they knew what he what they could do, but there was also my my understanding like is there were a couple of times the doors got locked. Okay, okay. That, I, does that sound about right? Yeah, it's just my question. Okay, okay. I don't have a you know okay. I didn't have an answer to it. I was just really curious. no. I I I think, but I still think the game has, and I know it's well, it's a, it's almost a decade ago now, but. I, I I think the game has gone undergone a lot of changes yet again. Oh, yeah. I think absolutely. Uh, you know, it's funny. I watched the physicality. And, you know, okay, you have something last to say. I'm going to finish with this. You and I, we some of the greatest conversations you and I ever. I remember one underneath the uprights of big man, and we talked about fighting, mm-hmm. and you were so wrong, Bruce, and I was happy to tell you and inform you how wrong you were, and right. I was, and I, and God bless you, because you'd stay there and listen to how wrong I would, you were, mm-hmm. and everything, and here we are, 20 years later. It's out of the game, really. Without, for all intents and purposes. Yeah. The juniors are getting rid of it. They never had to mandate it, they yeah. just, and I think, you know, to me, when we talk about Daryl in, in uh, L.A., in between Daryl in L.A. and this tenure, fighting fell off. And I'm not saying he was all about fighting, but the game changed. And right. that was one of the indicators the game oh, yeah. changed. And I, I, am, I am here to say that if I could go back in time, 33-year-old Rob owes you an apology. Because 33-year-old Rob was full of piss and vinegar and John Wayne and rah-rah well, and masculinity. And, and you got to fight. You got to fight. You got to fight because that's what men do. And I, you know, I did it on the radio and everything like that. But fifty-three, but it was, fi- good, it was good. It radio. was good, but fifty-three-year-old Rob now has gone taking the yeah. you know the concussion institute training and yeah. and you know it, it gets me going. Sure, but it, I don't need it. I'm not. Right. I'm not sitting watching the game anymore. I'm not calling for its outright ban. I'm not sure. I'm very curious to see what happens in the Quebec League. I think it's, it's going to ban itself. It feels like it, doesn't Mal- it? Malcolm Gladwell did a piece years ago about how we thought that maybe in 25 years the NFL wouldn't exist because people are, are, are losing the, the appetite for that. I kind remember of, that kind of violence. Uh, yeah, it, it, it it'll be interesting. But don't to you see. think without fantasy football and gambling, it might have? Oh yeah. I don't. I don't think we appreciate not you and I, but I don't think the general public appreciates how much fantasy football is is responsible for yeah. propelling that league forward. Now that I'm an old guy, yeah. and, and and old guys, they, they, they shake their fists at the cloud, yeah. uh, at clouds. My only hockey thing, that, mm-hmm. and this has bugged me for 20 years, mm-hmm. why I don't understand why hockey people do, don't do this, and this is another thing comes from, 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 from soccer. 
is I don't understand why it is when the other team has their five guys inside of your defensive zone, you are obsessed with having your five guys stay in there. Why do you not take your best player and put them at the opposite blue line and force them, force them to relieve the pressure and have somebody come out and cover your guy? Group think. It does, it t- exactly. It does two things. First of all, you have breakaway pass. Second of all, you'll never get an icing against you because your guy's right there. He can win every race against icing. It's, to me, it, it, it's all of a sudden creating half the, using another half of the rink that we don't use right now. From what I've seen... Because you do five on four all the time on penalty. From what I've seen in hockey, that even if a coach in the American League said, I want to try this, yeah. he'd get beaten down. Oh, and, yeah. if, and if he got away with it, yeah. then he would be that crazy guy in that team that we don't talk about. Like right? Mike D'Antoni in the NBA who wants to do full court press stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'm with yeah, you. I just said that's, I'm so old and so cranky. Yeah, it's funny because mine is, is I, I'm so sick and tired of watching more of the game in replay and being rewound than in live right. because of all the reviews. And then I'm oh. so sick and tired of us playing people's court with, that's a goal, that's not a goal, that's a goal, that's not a goal. I'm okay with human error. My parents were okay with human error. Look clear. Uh, if, uh, but my thing is, you want perfection. My thing is, if you can get it right, get it right, yeah. and that's where the gambling comes. Well, out. you clearly don't listen to this show enough because <laughs> we have. There's that. none of that around here. No. Um, last word is yours before I have my last word. But go ahead. No, I just wanted to say, and and uh, I remember back in 2007, and of course I came on to uh, to, to co-host with you because our good friend Joe Joe Fan got yeah. sick. Yeah. And uh, he passed away in, in uh, I think it was March of 2007. Uh, it was, actually, it was, um, it was uh, Valentine's Day. Yeah, it was in February. Okay. Yeah. That's right. Okay. The point I, want, I was going to say is that uh, uh, I was working with you because of him, and I was on the air with you that, the day that I got a phone call that my dad had passed away. Yep. And I, it was, I was in the studio with you. Yep. And I went out and took the call, and I came back in, and I was, my head was spinning, as you can imagine. And uh, uh, you said, what do you want to do? And I said, you know what? The best thing for me to do is let's finish this show. And I always wanted to thank you for, you know, you had just the right tone for me. I was, I was dizzy trying yep. to think of what was going to happen next, all that sort of stuff. And I've never had the chance to thank you for it. Uh, you know, a moment when you're, yeah. you only have a father die once. So uh, it, was, it was a big moment for me, and it was a moment I always remember from our, our partnership. I appreciate that. And, uh, yeah. So thank it, you. Yeah. Uh, and I... I, you know, losing him and Joe sports in the same in the, period of time was, was very close. Yeah, it was hard. I know. Uh, Thank you. But I listen right back at you because I moved here and right away I got, you know, Joe and Kevin's producer and a little fill in here, there. And then I got thrown on the morning show and you, you were, I think, the lone live guest on the 960 morning show yes. at one time. And you had the column in the Herald and, and you wrote a really nice piece about me. And that just settled me right down. I had, you know, I'd moved my family in the whole nine yards and I didn't know, like, this is the big time for me. And then you wrote something really nice in that column that you didn't have to do. Uh, and forever, I'm forever grateful, but I'm forever grateful because we haven't talked in 11 years. Yep. Doesn't matter. You walk through the door, you sit down, we can do this. Yeah. You're the best. Well, you go, are the best. I'll Would you come back? back? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to have you back. Um, where can I find you if I'm looking for you? If I wanted to read more or listen to you? or where, I'm, where I'm usually in front of the Costco down there. At the Costco? Yeah, okay. Can you me. can find me looking Online. for samples. Not the public broadcaster. Not the public broadcaster. Dot com. Dot com. Dot com. I said oh. it's not not. It's not not the public broadcast. Well, here's the CA one. Uh-huh. 
If you want to see any of my books, yes, we didn't even talk about the biography I just did with the CEO of the Bank of Montreal, Tony Comper. I did a book with him, helped him do a book called uh, Personal Account. Oh, really? I did something other than hockey. And how was that experience? It was fantastic. Was it? He has a box for the Leaf games. He has a box for the Rapid. You just said nothing to do with sports. He has a box. That's where we go, and we we did a lot of the recording stuff. Okay. But if you want to look at any of the books, yes, BruceDobiganBooks.ca. Uh, Not the, the publicbroadcaster.com. That's for BruceDobiganBooks.ca. Yeah. This one with your son, Evan, in exact science. His name's first, too, on the title. Yes. And a new one coming out. When do you think Deal With It will be out? It's, we're, we're self-publishing, so I'm going to hope towards the end of the year. Okay. You'll come, well, we'll have you back before then, but we'll certainly have the two of you yeah, on. Call. Thanks, buddy. This was Thank fun. You. This is good. Even if I ran out of water half an hour ago. <sighs> what can I say? <laughs> I'm a terrible host. <laughs> Bruce Dobig and everybody brought to you by Ski Seller Snowboard, skisellersnowboard.com. Uh, in Calgary for 76 years, three locations, McLeod Trail by Chinook Center, 17th Avenue Southwest, just off of 14th Street, and Bow Ridge Road Northwest by McDonald's at Windsport. And again, all kinds of great gear. And if you're a hockey player, check out their snow skating. That's pretty cool stuff. Final mile for you today. Uh, a couple things. It's interesting. Um, it's funny, we talked about a little bit about officiating, talked a little bit about fans. Um, I have an old, you know, I have a, a kind of a rule of thumb when we were doing games that I would never talk about officiating unless it was a win. Because I, I feel like if you start talking about officiating uh, during a loss, then it's, it's sour grapes. So I applied that to this. Uh, a good friend of, my, uh, of this program, she was on a little while ago, sent this to me yesterday. Um, it's a series of really disturbing tweets and she's an Oiler fan, um, but if you read them, they're talking about spitting on kids. In there, they're saying, okay, game six Saturday, I encourage you to do as much harm verbally or physically to Oiler fans. It's social media. I get that. Cool. Uh, I get it's the Oilers, but I feel like because I have no horse in the race or anything, maybe there's a little bit. But this fan behavior stuff is starting to get out of control. I mean, it's starting. You talk to uh, God love him. Rick Tulsi is a, a, an amazing ambassador for CSEC and, a, and an usher over there. Um, but since the pandemic, fan behavior across the board, social media, in person, it's out of control. And you don't you don't condone spitting on children. Now, this little tirade of mine, me telling you that the social media should be nicer, isn't going to go anywhere. But what I can do is continue to beat the drum that we got to start being better people. Like fan behavior, uh, we'll get into the next story in a second, and it directly connects to this. Um, but when you see people threatening kids, when you see people, not, and I get it, I get it. I remember the 1990s Hockey Canada campaign, you know, don't yell at the refs, don't scream at the kids, and the whole adage that, you know, it's 99% of the people are great, the 1% won't read this, and I get that part. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't be talking about fan behavior, nor does it mean we should be accepting unruly fan behavior. And it has become a problem here post-COVID. Uh, that brings me to my second point. Saw this today, uh, courtesy of our, fans, our friends at Barstool. Um, New Jersey Little League will force parents that confront an umpire to suit up and ump three games before they are allowed to return as spectators. Damn right! We should be doing this. And I put it out earlier today, and I love the responses I get. You know I've been talking about Project Ref that we're doing with kids sport. And I've had conversations with basketball, soccer, and hockey. And we're all having the same problems. Fan conduct, it's, it's fan behavior again. 
and maybe we need to take some extreme steps. But we're running out of officials. We are running out of volunteers. We're running out of people who want to put up, Ty, close your ears. Ty, Ty, don't listen to this part. We're tired of people who just don't want to deal with the bullshit anymore. If you're going to, if you're, if you, if you're my age and you somehow think that screaming at a 14-year-old girl at a soccer game is acceptable behavior, God help us. God help us all. So maybe we should. Maybe we should take some of these steps. So congratulations to New Jersey. Uh, check out Kids Sport Project Ref. By the way, uh, great news out of the annual general meeting yesterday for Kids Sport. We had a record year uh, last year in terms of kids helped and equipment sent out the door. And this year, already in 2023, we are miles ahead of even our busiest year ever. So we're helping families. Bad news is families need help, but the fact is there is a safety net. Uh, great to have Bruce in the studio with us. Coming up on Friday, uh, Wes Gilbertson from Post Media and David Legg from Mount Royal University. Enjoy the playoffs, everybody. Have a great day till we see you then. Bye. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,